from the FDA, which has just approved the emergency use of the Pfizer vaccine for children ages 5 to 11. And we've already secured enough vaccine supply for every single child in America. A new proposal would allow children 12 and older get vaccinated with no parental consent. A mom in Louisiana plans to sue her son's high school after he was vaccinated at the school without parental consent. Some new moms now quarantining from their newborns. By the end of this year, Dr. Fauci believes there will be a vaccine available for kids as young as six months. And that means millions of young children can get their first dose right now. This is like a gift from God. Getting that shot really was an amazing feeling. It, 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 it hits you. Nobody will be safe if not everybody is vaccinated. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. What is the problem? Get over it. Come on, people, just get the shot. It's what we've been waiting for to embrace all the your family feeling so really no lockdowns just get a vaccination wall street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea and what essentially it is is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a fantastic show lined up for you. I really got to say I'm really proud of how encompassing these shows have become, even becoming exponentially more difficult for me to title them, seeing as how it's just a, you know, Anything you might have missed kind of discussion, which is always the real was always the point of what this show was meant to be and has broadened out into something much larger than I ever thought it would be. But I'll tell you today, we really are. And especially when I don't have a show over the last couple of days, that tends to be the times when we have the big shows that are going longer than most people like. But we're going to get a lot jammed in today. So I hope you will stay tuned till the end. I'm going to do a bunch on foreign policy to start today that I think is really important. But uh, jumping around from point to point, not a long segment on one talking point, but encompassing all of it, Ukraine, Iran, Syria, and kind of just talking about how a lot of this stuff is happening on the on the peripheral of the larger discussions. A great little clip from uh, Taylor Hudak speaking on Assange that I want you guys to hear. And show there's a lot going on around all of this. And I tend to see most of it actually interconnected, but that's just my opinion. It's regardless of whether it's interconnected, they're all really important not to miss with what's going on. Now we're going to talk about the, the MRNA focus is kind of the bulk of the show today around the new peer reviewed JAMA network study finding MRNA in the breast milk, which shouldn't surprise anybody that's been watching this show 
or anybody that's been watching any independent media that has even tried to look into the facts because this has been blatantly obvious from the very beginning, including Bayer's reports of this from like the very, very, very beginning, I believe, including the trials themselves, all the way to now with all the data, science, observational, everything under the sun showing you exactly what we're now confirming with peer-reviewed science, which they'll still dismiss, but how clearly dangerous this is. And on top of that, or rather in, in conjunction with that point, showing you that there is some very prominent people on top of the already very prominent people that are standing up and going, okay, guys, this is dangerous. Including, as to one of the mo- main uh, points of today, a doctor who in fact was a very mainstream doctor that promoted this on, t- on TV, getting his injection and saying everybody should do the same, who has now singing a different tune after he had a very personal experience that changed his perspective. How can you call that a conspiracy theorist? How can you call that a conspiracy theory? How can you label someone who once was on the other side, who has literally personally had the experience, who has now come along and said, guys, these aren't very safe. These are hurting people and dismiss that. My point is, I don't think that's what's happening. I think quite everybody can see that something's wrong. And that's why the narrative has now been coming out in the corporate media. And I'm going to make a point about that as well. Some of the worst worst of the worst, in my opinion, of the people that were gaslighting and attacking, and still, by the way, doing that, are now coming out as if they're the champions being suppressed, trying to fight for the truth. Our our good old buddy, uh, Z-Dog MD, is out there acting like he's the one fighting for the truth about the new booster. It's just embarrassing. Even if he's genuinely doing that, it's embarrassing seeing as how he's a lot of these people were the ones saying antibody dependent enhancement wasn't a real concern. And the science has always been there. And even now doctors acting like the ones that are fighting for maintaining masks, maintaining mandates are the ones using the hashtag. You're not alone. I mean, this is not by accident, guys. That's something that I feel like TLAV really championed even making the bracelets at our rallies and everything you're not alone and a lot of us did that i think jason burmis had a big push for that too saying look guys you're not alone and i think right now that's the most important you're not the crazy conspiracy theorists in the corner everybody sees what you see including them and that's why they're trying to co-opt your discussions your movements your persona as they're the ones being censored and suppressed for pointing out the things that we've been shouting about that they're only being allowed to talk about now it's very interesting and we're going to finish with a climate change point about how obviously this is all tying into that direction and why in many ways they're now just kind of getting rid of the narrative they had before because they have another fear-mongering push right under the or under what's the term what's the phrase i'm forgetting the turn of phrase on at, right on the next turn and we can all see it coming now to start off with foreign policy, uh, well, actually, first, to the clip that I played, I wanted to make sure you guys, you know, as always, giving the credit where it's due. This is just posted by Wittgenstein. I don't know exactly who made it. It might have been him. There's no source link or anything. So maybe it's him, but the great, this is where I saw it. <laughs> A great clip really showing you the ominous nature of all of this and how disconcerting it is. It doesn't really make sense. It never really has. And finally, at the very least, the media is admitting that that's what people think, and I believe many of them always have, and it's all falling apart in front of them. Now, to get into some foreign policy, before we come back to the, the main point there, I want you to see a lot of these different things that are happening. Sarah Abdallah, point, that she's been doing a great job keeping up on this. This is every day. It's not the same old story. It's, it's, it's a new leg of that same old story that has always been happening. U.S. occupation for, forces 
illegally, by the way, always been illegal, Iraq, Syria, all of it, illegal, no matter what. But just because they yell freedom, everyone looks the other way, apparently. Occupation forces quietly stealing Syria's oil while all eyes on Ukraine. Still, every day, ongoing. This is from the cradle. As of, uh, this is posted on September 27th, new convoy of looted oil smuggled out of Syria by the U.S. Army. Oh, it's posted on September 26th. Again, a new convoy of oil looted by the army. The good guys stealing oil from the people they claim they're fighting for? Trying to save by stealing their resources they need to heat their families, house, and feed themselves? Yeah, that really makes sense. It takes the smallest amount of barely... I mean, due diligence isn't even the right word. Like, just opening your eyes to what's in front of you to see that these people are not what they're telling you they are. That doesn't mean that the individuals driving the trucks, let's say, are aware of that. But the the agenda being driven by the people pretending to represent you, they do not care about the Syrians, about the Iranians, about the Russians. They care about their agenda, and those people are expendable, just like you. And it is time for us to see that. Now, that's not meant to be this sad... All, all, uh, all encompassing point, which that just paints a picture of a dire future. The point is that we're better than that. They know we're better than that, and they know we want better than that. And they're a dying entity, guys. It's a dying age. They're trying to force them, everyone, into the thing they think is next. We decide. And the bottom line is, seeing this is a positive. We are waking up. People are seeing through the illusion. So it's time to realize that we can be this, rather, what they pretend to be. Should we care to just be acknowledge what these people really are? And it's not just the U.S. government, guys. Governments in general, in my opinion, but come to your own conclusions about it. Just recognize that these are not the saviors that they try to pretend that they are. Now, here's an interesting way that this there could be a couple of intermittent points throughout today about the gaslighters involved in all this, whether they see themselves as that or not. Robert Murphy points out, I think the most interesting aspect of this proposal, and it's a, our good old buddy, Scott Adams, is that permanent military occupation of Mexico is number three, but educating Americans is number seven in his hierarchy of what's important to do next. This is really ridiculous. Scott Adams says, writes, what would a serious fentanyl policy look like? First of all, before we even get into it, you're well aware of the reality of this discussion because we've talked about it on this show, which is that the vast 90 plus percent of the fentanyl in this country comes from China. Now, the, in the, it, even in that conversation, there's a whole bunch to talk about there, but allowance of certain things, but that's for another day. We've talked about it in previous shows. The fact that he's focusing on Mexico tells you that he's either buying the narrative without doing the due diligence, which shouldn't speak much to his intelligence or willing to look into a, from a journalist perspective, or he's lying to you about it. I don't know. There's usually more than two choices. But as it says, no one has proposed one yet, so I'll give it a first draft. A serious fentanyl policy, you know, ignoring the massive insurmountable war on drugs that's supposed to be fighting that whole thing still. But apparently we need a whole new agenda aside from the war on drugs that's still going on, apparently. Think about how stupid that is. But it says, number one, remove prescription requirements for Narcon. Oh, good. So let's remove the requirement for them to need some kind of a medical treatment for overdosing. That's the solution. Give them a quick access to overdose solving so they don't care about having overdoses, even though it's not as simple as that because it doesn't always work and so on. But remember, Narcan was the the drug that was leaned into by the very companies that knew they were killing people with pushing opioids and bribing doctors. And they on the record were like, hey, let's push this thing to fight the overdoses and we can get them coming and going. Not exactly what they said, but it's on the record. They were caught knowingly ignoring the risks while promoting the thing to make more money on the risks and the dead. That's just crazy. 
but remove that so they can all take Narcan. Create an app so volunteers with Narcan can respond to their own to on their own block when alerted. So now you have Narcan freely available, and then you've got like roaming people apparently with Narcan. I mean, this is crazy. This is normalizing the problem as opposed to this is treating a symptom. This isn't even the point, though. It goes on to say, number two in this plan, create a military unit specifically for destroying the cartels in Mexico. So literally create military occupation of Mexico, or at least sending in units, in which is a military action. You could argue that's occupation either way. So who cares about Mexico sovereignty? Let's do what we want. Number three, give the cartel, and all of this, of course, is why I made that first point, that the argument is because Mexico is the reason we have this problem, therefore... That's not true. It's a fraction of the total that comes from Mexico. And they love to blame the MS-13, very bad group. But then it goes on to say, give the cartels a six-month deadline, because apparently U.S. government can give dictates to these cartels and people in other countries, to stop all fentanyl operations, or we invade Mexico and establish a permanent military base to eradicate the cartels. Like, this guy, this is actually what he's writing. That this just This is the mindset of the all, the... Basically, the, the lawless nature of these governments. That as long as they pretend that what they're doing is for the better interest of other people, whether or not it ends up that way, they can just do what they want, ignoring sovereignty, laws, borders, anything else that they would freak out about if it was in reverse. That's what it looks like to think that you are the, no, the your divine right to rule, if you will. Numbers, this isn't pertaining to Scott necessarily, but just the higher, the, the, what I think is the driving mentality behind a lot of the leaders of today. But number six, tighten border security, understanding this won't show fent slow fentanyl by much because it's so light and easy to smuggle in a variety of ways. Yeah, again, which 90% plus comes from China. Number seven, do a massive public education campaign on fentanyl facts and Narcan use. Right. So number seven is educate Americans about what's going on. Before that is occupation and a complete dis under misunderstanding, disregard for the facts. But who cares, right? So my point is, this is the kind of, these are leading talking heads in the discussion on Twitter and other places that drive people's understanding. Now, do they know that they're wrong? Do they care? Does it matter? This is a guy who literally argued that he was right, even though he was wrong about COVID because he did what he was supposed to. And we were wrong, even though we were right, because we were all guessing in this direction, despite everything else we did and all the peer-reviewed science and the proof and the evidence. Who cares? That's how they work, though. Pretty bad. Now onto Iran. Another example of an illusion that's taking place. Now, there are real actions happening. I recommend you read this great article that Robert Inlakesh put out. Iran's protests are no longer about women's rights. Now, the point in this article, there's a lot to be discussed, and I hope you'll read it as always. But overall, there's a lot to be suspicious about here. One, don't forget Operation Ajax, which we've written about a lot and had inter interviews. I've done entire segments on for the show about the original coup. It's now verified, proven, admitted to, I mean, to a degree, that the U.S. government carried out in Iran. And then later, we saw the Iran revolution taking it back. What's happening today is, at the very least, partly a manipulation. Now, as always, even going back there, there's an organic part of this where they take, let's just say, a political movement that's in Iran that is upset about something that just happened, and they charge them up from within, get some kind of protest going, and then they use that momentum to carry out what they want. And usually within of that, those protests die off after a couple of days, and then suddenly there's just this massive movement of violence and acts and doing all of the guys that it's still part of that original thing, and it's not. 
That's proven. That's history. That's Operation Ajax. Now, here is an example of why we should ask whether that's happening again. And this is not even the the last... The There's numerous times over the last couple of decades where they've tried numerous... Even, I think, even... I don't I want to make sure I'm not getting the date wrong. I believe it was during Trump's administration, if I'm remembering correctly. It's so much going on. But that there was already an attempt to do this and blatantly got caught for it. But so here, guess what, guys? You know the prominent aspect of these actions are right now? The Kurds. And let's not pretend like we don't know that the Kurds are an actual constant proxy force used by the U.S. and Israel and so on. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some of them that are here involved that aren't that are organically a part of this. But you have to realize that that is the primary movement of this after the original kind of focus died away. And there's all these violent acts. And guess what? They're, they're aligned and acting alongside groups like the MEK. The MEK, which is a known terrorist organization that even the U.S. designated as that until Hillary Clinton and others removed them from that list. The point is that they are very extremist. In fact, the opposite of what they're pretending they're fighting against. So they're protesting against women's rights. And MEK, and as it says in TV channels like Iran International, are the ones that are promoting that idea. Well, they are the very people, as he writes, that take money directly from groups like Saudi Arabia. And MEK is extremist far more so than what you might argue is happening in Iran today. Openly stated. I mean, you could there's and this is what our U.S. government supports because it's about supporting the people that they can use. Like they tried to support the moderate rebels in Syria, which turned out just to be the worst of the worst because they're the people they can just pay to do things they don't get and are morally ambiguous. I mean, that's my opinion, ultimately, but we see them use these kind of people. So when we have the Kurds predominantly rushing through and creating the kind of actions, we should ask whether there's some kind of action taking place. I don't know if it's entirely, but my gut tends to think that, especially with what we're talking about today. And then on, and then finally, just a real, this is, a, this is why I love Robert's work in this regard. This part of it is something that most Americans don't understand. And I'll be, even I wasn't fully I didn't have this much of a picture of this topic. I had similar kind of mindset, but listen to how Robert describes this. Now, this is ignoring how very clearly the U.S. government is driving this forward. And I'll make another point next for their own in, in, agenda that has nothing to do with what's better for women in Iran or Iranians in general. In fact, what they do almost always has the exact opposite effect, usually by design, I would argue. He goes back to the original, the, the Shah, who took power after the Operation Ajax coup took place. And he writes, under the Shah, and this is so easy to look up, not only were ordinary Iranians starved to death, robbed of their nation's wealth, subjected to torture, and robbed of the right to free speech, but they were also forced to change culturally to mimic the West. Now, the Shah and his white revolution, as it was called, forced the issue of women's rights, but in the form, specifically, of simply dressing and appearing primarily in regard to the West. Or, as he, I'd read that funny, sort of paraphrase it, but women's rights was this claim, but in the form of dress and appearance in a way to make them look more Western, not really about women's rights as a means of appeasing a minority of Iranians, but also forcing Western cultural domination over the Islamic linked culture inherent in Iranian identity. Now that's regardless of what you think about that and whether or not you agree with it. The point is that it's just at a time pre, pre before the U.S. manipulation, that this was the general cultural thing. Now, some people didn't agree with that. That's how the world works. And Americans are well aware that people don't agree with what their political government is doing at the time. But what it says is at that time, Iranians lived in, when, when the Shah was in power, the U.S. government, they lived in slums and were subjected to abject poverty 
not every single person, but a lot of Iranians, whilst Amer white American settler communities were established throughout Iran. Beginning to sound familiar? Don't forget that Israel had their hands all over this. Well, of course, the Zionists really at the time. But the point was, this is a big part of this. And we do know that that's the same kind of thing that's happening in occupied Palestine. But in, the, the main point is that this is something that was suppressed when it was a predominant uh, Iranian culture at the time because of what outside forces ultimately wanted. Not to say that some people didn't agree with this. Now, one, so one person commented about this, getting all upset, acting like Robert was insinuating that all Iranian culture was like this before this happened. And there's, I don't know why people always read in and let their assumptions drive what they're discussing. In no way is Robert arguing that they were all living in slum before this. The bottom line is this is an ind indictment of outside forces taking advantage of the situation and hurting Iranian culture and interest, not the other way around. Just so I don't know how that was taken that way, just in case anybody else misunderstood what this point was. But it goes on to say, so when the Islamic revolution overthrew the Shah, I think it was 79, if I remember correctly. Wearing a hijab was a symbol of rebellion against the West and a form of defiantly preserving Iranian culture. So you can see how that then became a symbol of defiance. Now, again, even then, not everybody agreed with it. But many others went along with this, whether or not they saw it as a women's right issue, just as a way to fall back into what they thought was classical Iranian culture. Now, instinctive desire for a return to the culture of the past in defiance of Western modern 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 entity, <laughs> it's a weird word, something that we see, we uh, say so he says that we see in still a prominent way of thinking today. When one simply looks at Iran's enforcement of the hijab without historical context, it would seem to be illogical, yet it makes a lot of sense when it's placed in its proper context. And really, the real point from my perspective is that we have no right to judge or or discuss their cultural differences in a way be, it, that only applies it to our way of looking at things. There's a lot of people that do not see it as a woman's right issue. But again, that's not the point here, because as you make clear in the article, there are ways even within Iran's cultural or, or um, religious. What's the right way to frame it? There's much more religious political overlap in places like Iran, but there are still ways that people can petition this and make change happen, even in regard to the religious side of things. Anyway, the bottom line is, and it's not who's I'm not. I, you know, my opinion, I don't trust the Iranian government or any government for that matter. I don't think any government should have a say over the people's lives. But it's a difference that we can't just pretend the U.S. government understands or wants us to understand. This is being abused. And here we are again, where guess what? As Ron Paul Institute writes, doesn't it strike anyone as strange that the leader of this supposed freedom movement in Iran that involves groups like the MEK that do nothing except remove people's freedom is a U.S. government employee? What a surprise. And bosom buddy of the neocons. Here he, she is right next to Mr. We lie, we cheat, we steal Pompeo. But hey, sure, it's totally legit. And here is Jacob Sullivan's point, uh, point about this strange idea to cast this individual, Aline Ajad, who lives in New York City, as the leader of the Iranian protests that are explicitly being done in the name of the local woman murdered by Iranian police. Alina Jod is a U.S. government employee who meets regularly with neocon politicians. You can read this for yourself. This is the New Yorker. But the other point of this, guys, is that there is zero evidence, not to say it didn't happen, but zero evidence that the woman who died in custody was beaten. In fact, she died of cardiac arrest. My thought was, did she get an injection? Well, of course, because I'm a conspiracy theorist, right? But interestingly enough... I was talking to Robert about this, and it's very, very difficult, more than most places, to get that kind of information, especially in Iran. But the point is that all of these injections, including Iran's injections, 
even though they've rejected the mRNA, are still based on the spike protein. I, I confirmed that the other day myself. So it's why not ask that question? Seeing as how we're having this ex- pandemic of random, unexplained, sudden death, in this case, that's something we should ask. But either way, the quick pouncing on this discussion without any evidence of actual torture or beaten or, be, you know, especially coming from the entities like the U.S. government that actively torture around the world. The point is that Iran's government is absolutely capable of this. But without evidence, shouldn't we care that it's proven one way or the other? Of course we should. But everything speaks to this being a manipulation yet again, whether for distraction or to drive in another angle of this agenda. Iran has always been a focal point, especially for the neocons. But with all of this, with the leader tied to the neocons, a U.S. employee, the lies about what happened and everything else included, why wouldn't we ask these questions? The Kurds included? Anybody honest really is. And that's the point, especially when you have groups around the world jumping on this discussion when there's so many other examples of things like this happening in places like Saudi Arabia or Israel or places where they don't want you talking about. But here's what Justin Trudeau stood up and said. And we're going to have a whole part at the end about Justin Trudeau and Trudeau must go from Canada. But here's what he just said. Canada strongly supports people who are expressing themselves and protesting peacefully in Iran. Right. Iran, but we don't care about that, you know, truckers and bank accounts and, you know, no, only in Iran, though, we claim we support those people because that's not even what's actually happening in large regard, regard degree now. But he says we are calling on the Iranian regime to end its repression of freedom of expression. I mean, God, think about the ignorant. I mean, I don't even know what the right word is here for someone in this position. They just don't care how dumb this looks knowing that they're literally, even if they claim it's justified, doing exactly that. Expression of spe- uh, freedom of expression, shutting that down, stopping people from protesting, stealing their money. He goes on to say, and to end the ongoing harassment and discrimination against women. Well, we support Saudi Arabia, though. Like, these people are clownish. They are cartoons of the reality. I mean, in fact, they have become the cartoonish versions of what we used to paint them as. It's bad. This one, The real Andy Lee show? Responds to him and says, dude, you froze my bank account. He did. Numerous other people as well. Think about how ridiculous that truly is. But he's still willing to tweet that out. Now, on to another point about Ukraine. Here's Aaron Mate pointing out, according to the New York Times, the shelling of Ukraine's nuclear plant has been carried out by Russian forces, which would mean that Russia is shelling a nuclear plant that it's currently occupying. This they don't even care how stupid this stuff looks. It doesn't matter. The post-truth world that they discussed has clearly come to pass because of their actions. How in the world are you going to argue with a straight face that they're literally occupying a territory of a nuclear plant that they're then bombing as if that doesn't. I mean, how do you even make sense of that? But thank you for pointing this out. Here's the actual post from yesterday or two days ago. It says the shelling apparently by Russian forces Great journalism. Apparently, couldn't you find out? What's the claim? What's the argument? So Ukraine said it was them. So therefore, we're going to say that. That's the, the, gist, the gist of it. Apparently, Russian forces at the nuclear plant has raised the specter of deliberately turning a commercial facility into a potential dirty bomb. This becomes, a, this is a spy novel. Now, is it, of course, it's possible. But what do you have in the way of evidence to make such a claim? First of all, Ukraine says that Russia is doing that. So they just say that. But because they're bombing themselves, apparently, you jump to the fact that they're apparently going to try to deliberately turn this into a dirty bomb, despite the fact that they have a thousand easier ways of doing exactly that in ways that you wouldn't even be able to tie back to them. 
I mean, this just takes a certain level of stupid, a special level of dumb to actually think that makes sense. But this is what the journalists of the real New York Times are actually trying to argue. How embarrassing. Now, here's what he also points out. They write another article. Russia's occupation of nuclear plant gives Moscow a new way to intimidate. They're still going after this argument. And because, you know who's actually been relentlessly bombing this area? The Ukrainian military. And then going, they're going to blow things up if they keep staying there because we're going to bomb them. So you're doing it then. No, 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 they're doing it. We're bombing them. Yeah, you're bombing them. It just, it's, it's narrative control. That's all this is. And it's really stupid. Now under the Nord Stream pipeline, which is another interesting point in all this, of course, as that ties into the planned decon- uh, demolition, essentially, of all of these things, you may have heard that there's action, or rather the investigation of action around the Nord, St- Nord 1, and in, in regard, well, technically, it's, Nord Stream 2 was shut down, which is very telling in the first place. The whole pr- Germany being involved, U.S. threatening them, even though they're an ally. But now, apparently, there was some kind of a leak in even Nord Stream 1. And they had to shut it down. What a coincidence, right at the same time as everything else. But then it turns out that people are going, hey, I think this was sabotaged, including the Danish pr- uh, prime minister has just spoken up and said this was an attack. This is what's happening. And apparently Slow News Day caught this. This is the member of a European uh, parliament who basically just said, thank you, USA. Well, that's pretty weird. What does that mean? As he, as he, Steve writes, seems like he's openly admitting the U.S. government blew up Nord 1 and 2 in the Swedish and Danish economic waters. So do you get a mulligan for that at the next Security Council meeting or does everyone have a snack? <laughs> I mean, this is just crazy. What do you mean, thank you, USA? What does that even mean? Showing a picture of this explosion or leak or whatever we're looking at? It's pretty strange. Well, from the New York Times, European nations are investigating now possible sabotage tied to leaks in the the two Nord Stream pipelines, which transport gas from Russia. The leaks underscore the vulnerability of Europe's energy infrastructure as it tries to wean off Russian gas. How do you miss the coordination to all of this? from plants and food distributions. I mean, literally, when's the last time you saw major fires at any distribution plants in concession, in quick succession or anything like this? I mean, you just, there's gets to a point where you have a mathematical impossibility here that all of these things would happen right at the time when they just so happened to want to reduce these things, but we didn't do it though. But what a, what a happy coincidence, right? Well, on top of all of that, and maybe you could read into the timing of giving $12 billion to Ukraine right after we see Ukrainian action taking place or, you know, whatever you can look at. There's a lot of ways to read into this stuff. But as Thomas Massey points out, I never agreed to this as a member of Congress. Think about how chilling that is. Who are the negotiators and what qualifies them to obligate the people's house to give away the people's money? U.S. Congress negotiators agree $12 billion more dollars of new aid to Ukraine. Right, you realize that it's a point where this is like p- admitting these injections aren't working, but then still mandating them. Think about how wild this is. Does anybody question that there's open neo-Nazis and Nazis and fascists and openly c- open CIA elements in Ukraine being used? And they openly now admit that the whole plan was essentially to destabilize Russia. I mean, it's, a, it's amazing. And yet here we are still going. And if you poke at this in the middle of some kind of open context, you're a conspiracy theorist. Despite the things they've already admitted and on you know, the Twitter sphere. But in other discussions and think tanks, they can openly talk about how we've always known they're Nazis. It's just mind boggling. This is my point about how I think everyone sees this. It's all about just presenting the controlled narrative and acting stupid. If we don't push them on it, they pretend like we're the minority. It's time to stand up, guys. This is wild. 
Now, this is all taking place during the, the referendums in regard to Ukrainian or Russian territory. Rather, the discussions of places like, the, like Donbass and others that are trying to leave the Nazi-controlled elements where they are attacking Russian-speaking people. But Reuters writes, big majority said to favor joining Russia in the first vote results on future of occupied Ukraine regions. Pretty telling. That's Reuters. Sort of like we saw with the Crimea area where they, this is exactly the same story. Now, even though you can prove as best you can anyway, it's always possible there's something you don't see, but that proved that this was, this it's Crimea I'm speaking of, was a fair balance. But these people voted to leave Ukraine. And join Russia as predominantly Russian-speaking areas. And we can now plainly see why. As they're openly being attacked, called Muscovites, being tied and, and beaten. And I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. And they still argue that was fake news and it occupied them and took them. It's like, it's just so childish. So here we are again, where Donbass has been outspoken. You can, pretty much anybody that went to speak to these people is predominantly saying that they, they are being attacked for eight years plus. They've been bombed and attacked and murdered. You can openly see the civilian areas of the Donbass region right now being bombed and attacked and murdered with people being blown up in the streets. Nobody's questioning that. That's a civilian area. There's no way that's not being targeted illegally. And all the people there you could speak to, people, journalists, people on the ground. This is not Russia. Ukraine is bombing civilian territory, and the world just pretends it's not happening. This is why these things are happening. So my point is, anybody being honest about this can clearly see that there's an overwhelming majority that wants to leave because it's a no-brainer. They don't want to be a part of this fascist entity anymore that is killing them. It's pretty simple. But here, stupidly enough, is how it's framed by other media. Oh, wait, I, I thought I had another point there. Hold on. I'll come back to that one. Uh, this is ABC, you know, the stellar journalism outlet. Occupied Ukraine holds Kremlin's staged vote. Oh, well, they must have evidence to make such a claim, right? No, no. They just say that because, well, it must be. This is the state of corporate media. Shouldn't you prove that they staged a vote? Or is that even what they meant? I mean, there's not even, if you look into this, you'll find that there's only two references. Well, technically one. This is my thing up there. I should have looked at that earlier. One word, the word staged is only in the title. Isn't that telling? Well, what do you mean by that? Staged only has really one meaning, that you're pretending. A staged, and why would Kremlin staged vote? Here's what it says in, in the subtitle. The Kremlin orchestrated referendum. It's not Kremlin orchestrated. I mean, you could maybe argue with that. This is a Donbass-led, this is what they want. And Russia is simply endorsing that. That's, I mean, at least that's what we can, anybody can prove. There's no evidence to the contrary other than what the media just says. But it says, got underway in occupied regions of Ukraine that sought to make them part of Russia, or rather, they sought to make themselves part of Russia, with some officials carrying ballots to apartment blocks accompanied by gun-toting police. They're trying to make this sound like some kind of... That, so wh why is that even a bad thing? You're talking about a war zone, for crying out loud. And so you're, you're going you're gonna to fault them for having... I mean, you see the point. This is a painfully state this they're trying to make this seem fake without any evidence to, to make that claim but that's what journalism does today just insinuations or rather fake journalism by just arguing well because russia kremlin it must be fake because bad guy that's they, they should have just wrote that one sentence and been done with it because that's all they have in this discussion read it for yourself that's childish now, here is an example of somebody involved who can prove these things to you. Valentina Lisitsa, a famous Kiev-born pianist, votes today on the referendum. This was on the 24th. 
This is not somebody who's invested in the gen. No, I, I mean, I can't say for sure. You never know with people, but you're a person who's very well known worldwide who stands up and votes for what she believes in. She supported the self-determination of the Donbass region from the beginning, for which she was then canceled by the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. Not a joke. She was banned from Twitter for her views. That's the world we live in today where you're not allowed to disagree with them. You're an extremist, according to KGP, if you just think differently than the majority. That is a recipe for authoritarian control. It's where they're pushing you. Couldn't she, isn't she allowed to be wrong, let's say, if you're so certain that she has the wrong view? No, you're not even allowed to be wrong anymore. No is not an option. We're going to come back around and ask you tomorrow. Right? We've seen the way they're building this. It's crazy. Now, I hope you will continue to look into that in general about how all of us seems circling around what's happening there. But to switch over into Assange, which is obviously relevant to all of these topics, to every point in foreign policy for that matter. Taylor Hudak just gave a, a speech that I want to play you the clip from that she shared. She says the U.S. government must not extradite Julian Assange to the USA, a country that conspired to assassinate him. The prosecution of Assange impacts us all and it impacts the public's right to know. Here's a brief excerpt from her speech in Vienna, raising awareness on the case. She's doing great things outside of T-Lab, too. So make sure you check out her work, follow her Twitter account. But it's just so important to see how relevant this is, even for those that still want to argue. And maybe you're right that this is some kind of controlled discussion. It really doesn't even matter at this point. I mean, it always matters. But at the end of the day, whether controlled or not, I don't think so. It still leads to suppressing your ability to speak, your speech, your your journalism. It's, it affects everybody. But from the UK's perspective, it's illegal no matter how they spin it, because no matter what the US claims, and they lie all the time, the government, he could be put to death. That's a possibility. And therefore, the UK government's laws stop them from being able to send him. But as long as the US swears they won't do it, well, then they can pretend like they're allowed to. That's, again, the childish nature of all of this. But check this speech out. Two minutes. Please watch this. Stay tuned. This is important. Intelligence services, we believe that to be the CIA, contracted the embassy's security firm. Oftentimes, embassies have security firms. This one did, and it was Undercover Global, UC Global. The job of this company was to protect Julian Assange, to protect the people who worked at the embassy and also the visitors. But instead, U.S. intelligence invited the CEO of this company to re-network and rewire the security system into a surveillance system to gather information on Assange, all of his contacts, even his attorneys. His attorney-client privilege was being violated. The privacy of his friends, his family members, himself was being violated. Some of the very grotesque things that happened as a part of this surveillance operation is that there was a camera placed into the women's bathroom and even the DNA of Assange's infant son was taken from a diaper. That is how depraved these individuals are and what they did to a journalist who deeply embarrassed the U.S. government and the intelligence apparatus. Think about how creepy it is in the overlap there of taking his DNA. Why would they need that? Right? They have him in custody, right? I mean, I, I, I don't have an answer to that, but there's some pretty weird and creepy overlaps to the whole future direction they're going in and why that might be used for some things that we can't even wrap our minds around right now. But I, that concerns me, right? I mean, why the child? I don't know. There, I'm sure there's stated reasons for it, but it seems pretty creepy with the bioeconomy direction. And lastly, I will point out as well that the CIA, in fact, plotted to assassinate Assange. Many of you may be looking at me like, Okay, this is maybe a step too far. Come on, you're, you're just speculating. There's, 
They wouldn't possibly do that, or how could you really prove that? Well, the reality is we had 30 former U.S. officials who went to Yahoo News and revealed this, that yes, in fact, there were serious plans to kidnap and assassinate Assange while he was in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Fortunately, this plan did not come to fruition, but there were serious plans to kill this individual, to assassinate him. And think about this. The UK recently just approved the extradition order. How could it be that the UK government approved the extradition of a man to a country whose intelligence agencies conspired to assassinate him? That is the state of our media right now. That is the state of the Western Empire, the Western intelligence agencies in Western countries, in particular, the United States government and the UK government working in cahoots and together. Well done. She really is doing a great job out there. It's, it's just so alarming. And that one of the parts that stands out to me is the fact that even in the speech and the discussion, you know, she says it that way because people have a tendency to do that. Wait a minute. Really? They tried to kill him. You know, like the, this mindset where that does, that sounds pretty grandiose. Well, and, and you know, the point is it's admitted to blatantly openly by numerous people. And yet it's still regarded as some kind of quasi reality. You know, it's, it's, that's the, it's because people have been engineered or rather, yeah, I mean, engineered is a good word, socially engineered, but they've been trained and, and manipulated into seeing it that way. Now, we've seen a lot happen since Assange and, and the information that he revealed through WikiLeaks. But one of the things that was very clear in all of that, one of the many things is that we, as the peoples of our countries, are being focused on, being tracked, monitored, right? We've all seen that come to pass. But what we didn't really see or a lot of people didn't see is how this would end up being turned into what we're seeing in regard to the domestic terrorism, January 6th kind of overlap here, which again, I really hope you can see it is not as much as it's being used in a partisan way. It's not a partisan thing, right? They're using part of the party illusions to drive people to take action. In my opinion, you know, and I could be wrong, but I don't think that's really what this is about. But one of the overlaps before I get into a couple parts about January 6th is that we just saw, the new prime minister of Italy give a speech. Now I'm going to, I'll just read it to you since it's a translation, but it's important to see this first before we get into all of it. It's really interesting to come out and say that we're going in a different direction, really calling out, as I wrote in this, the, the woke, uh, as I wrote, the new prime minister of Italy just gave a, a huge speech, taking a stance against the new woke political direction in all of it, a lot of different ways. Her and this is despite and despite her winning the election, which again, you know, from my perspective, is a huge. You know, I'm just saying that from the mainstream discussion point. Whether or not those votes translated to her being elected is something I would never say. I believe one for way or the other. I, mean, I don't know, and I my gut tells me probably not. But call me a pessimist. But regardless of that, despite that being the stated reality that you know, pretending democracy is the thing that the election translates to her being what people want, and yet they still don't care. And her stance being rooted in choice, which it is. That's the, but the point choice, the same way they pretend that MAGA people want to take your choices away. Now you could argue that in a sense of like specifically abortion, that many people in certain right leaning categories would, would go as far as to say they're not allowed to do that. And yeah, that, and that, that's that, but that's one of the, the main points, but within the whole discussion to pretend that they are taking your choice away about who you can marry and so on. Again, you can find some extreme discussions on the far, you know, like from the old school, right? But that's not the way it is. 
in a larger sense around the general discussion coming from just a conservative discussion. Especially when it comes to the vaccine conversation. And I've made this very clear. It's not saying you aren't allowed to take it. It's saying that we should have a choice. The other side is you have to, right? The other side is you have to be allowed to. Women have to be, you know, it's, it's, it's the way that it is being framed is illusory. It's not the reality. But again, you could go in, the whole two-party paradigm is meant to be a quagmire of nonsense, in my opinion. But this point is that she's saying family, God, country, I believe, is kind of the talking points. And I knew when this came out that she would be framed as an extremist. It's amazing to see that series of points being framed as extreme today. When reality is the push of all the new woke direction and trans and all this difference that that has become the that's extreme. It really is. And extreme doesn't have to be bad. It just simply means that it's it's they're taking dramatic steps in a direction that the general consensus of most people is not that that's OK. Story drag drag tween drag queen story time for preschoolers. That's not normal. And it's not what most people think is OK. So therefore, it's extreme. Now, I personally also think that it's bad and wrong because it's wildly sexualized. And but despite the arguments otherwise, it obviously is when they're standing in fishnet shirts with their boobs showing except for the nipples. That's not OK. I just saw a picture of one of the mayors standing next to one of these people at drag, team, drag queen story time, and she's literally wearing a see-through shirt. That's not OK. Anyway, the point is, that's what they try to frame as extremist to say that some people disagree with that. As I said, that I have no doubt should be labeled as such. And the very next day, the return of fascism in Italy. Fascism. Right. So it's fascist to argue. I mean, just because it's a nationalist kind of perspective, they call it fascism. Despite the fact that the very clearly the people that are driving the other side of that argument are wildly fascist in everything that they're doing, including the public-private partnerships and the four. I mean, even the groups like Antifa, which you pointed out before, who are perceived as left, are literally fascist in everything they do despite themselves being called anti-fascist. Now, that point first, which is clear about taking this kind of direction or even just a disagreement with their direction and calling it extreme, calling it fascist, is just, I don't want to say unprecedented, but my God, this is, I mean, this is like calling, this is like that woman who called the world, the word normal, a far-right term. I mean, it's meant to not make sense. Now, that being said, the, re- the next question should be whether or not she is genuine and whether or not this is just being used as a way to justify the battle between the sides, right? They want us divided, don't they? So just because she seems to be aligning with what we think is the right direction, or some people may think, we shouldn't just go, there you go, she's on our side, because that would be naive, right? Controlled opposition is a very real thing. Now, do I know for sure? No. Well, first of all, the other point here was, as Media Research Center points out, the headline would, of course, have been first female Italian prime minister, which is an interesting point, right? Because that's the, they're just desperate to make these points all over the world, except when she's not going along with the plan. Here's what this news media report said. In Italy tomorrow, appear poised to make a hard right turn. The woman expected to become prime minister leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. The hallmarks of Italian fascism, like this motto. God, fatherland, and family. Right, God, fatherland, and country, as opposed to, this is an interpretation of the, of the translation. I'll, I'll read you the other one in a second. Right political party whose roots go back to post-war. And here's what, actually, here's what's funny. As they're screaming the same exact kind of thing, not God and country, but in regard to the fatherland and how they frame it, that's exactly what the 
open fascist in Ukraine that these exact same people are currently funding and supporting are screaming. So how does that make sense, right? So it's bad for her to be a fascist, even though it's not what I, I don't think that's what this is, at least on the surface, except then we're funding the very same wildly outspoken version of that right now in Ukraine, but because freedom though, <laughs> right? So it's, so it's okay to support them when they are doing something you want. So then you don't care about any of it, really. It's just about your agenda, right? And somebody caught that the far, hard right turn, like what a childish framing of all of this. So they just voted to go with the right side. Right. So it's our right turn. Did you call it a hard left turn when it goes back the other way? No, it's just, it's just making it sound like they took a wrong choice. World War II neo-fascist. Far right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Roots wow. in Italy's post-war fascist movement. Roots in Italy's 20th century neo-fascist movement. Maloney herself uh, was a, a hardcore neo-fascist militant. It's stunning because of Italy's disastrous history, the last time a hard right party rose to power. The most far right government in that country since Mussolini. Most now, now remember... What, uh, God, I just did it again. I'm forgetting her name. Von Ursula. I forget her. It's Ursula, I think. Her name. I don't know why I keep linking her name. From the EU. Who just spoke up and said, well, you know, if they go in a certain direction, we have tools. So so then you don't care about democracy then? Or is it only when you don't get what you want, you claim it's not legitimate? Okay, either way you take it. They just make this like with Bolivia. Fake news, fake election, except nope, not at all. MIT proved it, but we never go back, right? They just get what they want. The interesting part about this is if these people, like, if they're the ones that keep screaming about how we have to respect democracy, and then they vote and this person gets elected, you can't just be like, well, then Italy's all bad and they're all bad people, which is essentially what they're doing. Either they're going to pretend this is an, a fake election or that they're just going to be like, well, Italians want fascism then, they're bad people. And even if that is the truth, it's none of your business. Don't they have a right to vote what they want? But that's not ultimately what's happening. This is all wild. Thank you, uh, Von der Lying. That's funny. But the, the, the point here is that this is not as simple as they're trying to make it out to be, right? But democracy only matters when they get what they want, apparently. Right-wing government since Mussolini. Since Mussolini. A red flag if there ever was one, says Edith Brooke, a renowned poet and Holocaust survivor. Italy about to see the country's most right-wing government since World War II. Most far- it's, you know, is it, is it embarrassing how they all just have the exact same talking points, like almost down to the exact words? Because these aren't actually critically thinking people. Far right, far right, far right government since World, World War II. II. Since the end of World War II. Maloney's win will probably send alarm bells throughout Europe. You know, it's alarming to a lot of people around Europe. Italy is revered for... No, no, it's alarming to the people trying to frame that as being alarming to people in Europe. Most people in Europe don't want what you're selling. That's the illusion. It's history, but not all of that history is beautiful. And many fear that one particularly ugly chapter could soon repeat itself. Oh, you mean Nazis? Yeah, the unspoken word. I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're as subtle as a, almost cussed right there, subtle as a, as a hammer, but it's, it's just so, inf- it's so frustrating. Now, any government, any government, as we can see today in this country, can very clearly quickly lead to authoritarianism, especially when they want that. So is that, will that end up being a situation that, so who, that's up for the people and the government themselves, that country to decide? But it's a question to be had about whether or not it's even the world's decision. They're trying to make this out to be that the world has a say in everything else now because of the multipolar, the great reset direction. 
even though it's nothing about it's multipolar, it's an illusion. This is about government top down control of the world as it's very clearly being framed. This is just an interesting development in all of it. But the other point was, where was I here? Right. About her in in, in this, it, this, I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, that this is a person that is maybe unwittingly, maybe a Donald Trump situation, if you still think that's how it worked, being put in this position. All right. So this is a person posting that same video, which, oh, she, I, I didn't play for you yet. Let me play this. She says, this is about what we are doing here today. Please answer me these questions. Why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There's a single answer to all these questions. She says, because it defines us, because it's our identity, because everything that defines us is now an enemy. For those who would like us, for those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves, And so they attack national identity. They attack religious identity. And so they attack national identity and they attack religious identity. And they attack gender identity. They attack family identity. I define myself as an Italian, Christian, woman, mother. No. I must be citizen X, gender. Dang it. I must be citizen X, gender X. She says, partner one, parent one, parent two. I must be a number. We all see this. Oh, damn it, this stupid thing. Twitter is so bad. Like, see, and I don't know if it's just some of us being censored and manipulated or, you know, uh, what's the word? Throttled. But it's just so, it's so like, I, I will, I try to remember to take these, these opportunities to be like, look at how bad this platform is. Look at how slow and crappy and loading it is. Look at how YouTube constantly glitches out and videos don't work anymore. You know, maybe they censored themselves into broken nature. You know, maybe they, what, what's the term that Corbett used? They, uh, they broke themselves to censor us, right? Interesting. Something's going on. These, these, these platforms are clearly having problems in a lot of different ways they didn't used to. So I do think that's part of it. So every chance you get, take the opportunity to point out how much worse Twitter is in a functional way than, I don't know, Parler, Gab, Tooth, Social, any of the rest of them, right? See if it loads this time. Because when I'm a a number, she says, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I'll be a perfect slave at the mercy of the financial speculators, the perfect consumer. That's the reason why that's why we inspire so much fear. That's why the events inspire so much fear, because we do not want to be numbers. We we will defend the value of the human being. Every single human being, because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. It's a weird point. And like it or not, that is sacred. We will defend it. We will defend God, country, and family. You see, fatherland is how they frame it. They want it to sound like a fascist entity. Is it country, fatherland? Does it make a difference? Of course it does when they want to, you know, like with Corbett's documentaries, how they want to intentionally mistranslate and leave out words to make it sound like they meant certain things, just like this. Those things that that disgust people so much. We will do it to defend our freedom. Because we will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators. That is our mission. That is why I came here today. Charles uh, Chesterton wrote more than a century ago. Let's see if I can find it. Fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in the summer. The time has arrived and we are ready. Thank you. Now, how in the world do you frame that as extremist? The only way they do that is by going wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here's what she really means. 
which is what they do with everybody. Here's what Putin means under the words he said. (laughs) No, he said what he meant. I mean, other, I mean, uh, you can't assume otherwise. Otherwise, you're apparently psychic. You somehow know what he really feels. I don't know why people bought, started buying that kind of nonsense, but that's all over the media today. This is, she stated what she meant. Now, because you want to pretend that saying country, God, and family is somehow extreme, well, that exposes the extreme nature of their current stance. There's plenty of people, as we well know, that believe that's the most foundational point of their, of, of their lives, really. I'm one of them. I agree. Family. I would say when I say country, I would argue that it's the people of the country you're from, not the government. Of course, these things are important. And of course, they are dissolving them right in front of us. Now, to the point, though, I knew they would call this fascist extreme because that's part of the agenda. Now, is she actually preaching these things or will she be a perfect example of how they do go in a fascist direction? And if that does happen... Is that going to be because there seems to be things that she doesn't want you to know? For instance, as this person points out, in Sweden, she has some. Uh, says, don't celebrate too, stu- too soon. Here she is discussing the Green Pass on October 21st, or she, April 21st. Says, quote, we are the first to support the Green Pass, and we hope that it will soon be rolled out across Europe. Well, wait a minute. I thought she's supposed to be this tri- triumphant leader pushing back against the Great Reset. Well, here's what it says. I'm thinking, for example, of the. Hold on, sorry. Of the theme of the digital green certificate. We were the first to support it. We hope it will be adopted as soon as possible. In a in a horizon of total reciprocity with all European states, it is a prox a priority. It is essential for restore freedom of movement and above all to restart tourism. I obviously want to say hello, and I go on to the conclusion. Representatives of the health professions, you know, and the names in favor of a penal shield of the health professionals, doctors for all vaccinators. Right, so protecting them, liability, green paths. Okay, that doesn't really sound like what she just expressed. This person says, damn, I got sucked into listening, believing in her sovereignty, family, country rant, spiel before this one. Good God, what happened? Was she taken into a World Economic Forum re-education camp? Or, you know, just people just theorizing. Was she and just kind of being facetious? Was she lying to you from the beginning? That's what I would ask. This person says, maybe just another coincidence. But as this says, has been she's been a, at the, to a number of the Aspen Institute meetings, the U.S. think tank headquartered in Washington since February 2021. This is financed by the Gates Foundation, among others. Okay, so going to think tanks and meetings with the very people that she seems to be pushing back against, promoting the Green Pass, all of this seems to be very concerning to me. That, in fact, it could very well be exactly what we're most concerned about. Setting you up. Support the very person that then becomes what they want them to become. I don't know if that's what's happening, but I certainly am concerned about it. Because this whole push to create what I argue is a trap the MAGA trap, I called it, in this country at the very least, is very transparent. They are trying to set these people up. And don't forget that this ties back to the groups in Ukraine that the CIA under Operation Aerodynamic have verifiably created for decades to be used against Russia. And now we see them overlapping with the groups that are working out of Russia, the groups that are in the United States, like the Rise Above Movement, which are on paper the international arm of the Azov Movement. And all this ties together. So what are they trying to create exactly? What are they trying to set you up for? Well, there's an obvious way to see that they're not 
actually trying to go after everybody that was there, which then suggested that some of the people that were there, as we know, were there on an official order, official business. One of these people is Ray Epps, who is very clearly part of this, who was listed as one of the most number one sought suspects in all this until suddenly he just got scrubbed from the website and nobody got him. Nobody went after him. And the point is, they know this. They've seen the videos. We've all talked about it. And now they pretend like they don't even know who he is. Raskin seems to suggest he doesn't even know who Ray Epps is. So he says, wait, January 6th committee, since Representative Raskin, who's on the January 6th committee, seems to claim he just doesn't know who Ray Epps is, even while claiming time to speak against a resolution requesting DOJ release information about him. I mean, this is transparent. These people are caught. Listen to, Ray, to Thomas Massey calling this out. Myself and three members of this committee, Chip Roy, Ken Buck, and Tom McClintock, issued in a statement urging people not to come here to accept the results of the electors. And so today I don't have an ideological axe to grind either. I find it odd that you all are defending one of the people who assaulted the Capitol. Defending who? Ray Epps. I, I, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. That's you, the resolution. Okay, well, I'll reclaim my time here. The, the, the GOP side has... See, that, it, it put him in a perfect position there, right? So the entire thing... To go back to it, the entire thing, the resolution they're putting forward is about requesting information on him. And so when they they attack that, they are stopping that from happening. And so how can you pretend you don't know who he is when you're when you're stepping in to stop information about him from coming out? I mean, it's this is how transparent all of this has become. Now, that doesn't mean I know exactly how this is played out and what they're really trying to accomplish. You know my opinions, but this speaks strongly to dishonesty trying to cover this up. Now here's Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Regardless of your opinions about her, I'm not, I don't support any of these people, including Thomas Massey. I am not a supporter of any of these political people at all. I tend to think even someone like Massey, who seems to be trying to do the right thing, just if you're looking at the actions being taken, I'm still very concerned about some... Call me jaded. Call me pessimistic. But I am not going to put my trust in any of these people probably ever again. I've just too many times have seen this go the wrong way. But as she points out, here is Ray Epps. And you've seen this on my show before. Here, tagging Rep Representative Raskin and the committee, which I, I promise you will still not see any action here. Why is he a free man while others who are simply present and didn't even commit crimes are rotting in pretrial prison in America? Right. You know, you know, being held without charge or rather specifically in the case that there's a lot of people that are being held on presumptive charge. I mean, it's not new for this country. Derek wrote a great article in the past about somebody who was apparently, at least on the record, over in Syria trying, trying to, as a journalist, record what was going on there at the time, got arrested as a terrorist for working with ISIS. And eventually, long story, but eventually got released. But the point was. He, there was no evidence. There was nothing proven. They held, they held this guy for a, over a year, if I, if I remember correctly, on the claim he worked for, working with ISIS. His story was uh, challenging that. But the point was, as an American in the United States, he didn't get a trial. He didn't get you know, to anything. He didn't get present evidence, didn't get representation. I mean, this is the illusion that we pretend. Rather, the real point is that this is what your government thinks of the Constitution. But it says he organized people to go into the Capitol. Why didn't you accuse him of insurrection? I mean, and this is, you guys have seen this, I'm sure, but I'll play it again. This is him screaming, we need to go into the Capitol. And people even around him are going, fed, fed, don't do it. We, 
it's just this transparent, guys. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. What? No! Tomorrow, I don't even like to say it because I'll be arrested. Well, let's not say it. We need, we need to safe. go, I'll say it. All right. We need to go in. Shut the fuck up, Boomer. To the Capitol. Based right. Fed posting? Right. <laughs> <laughs> we need to go into the Capitol. I didn't see that coming. Okay. Monument Hill. Now, so think about that right there, by the way. And that's just one example, but... If this is supposed to be some coordinated effort where they all have the plan to do exactly that, it doesn't seem like any of these people are aware of that. Going to the Capitol, where our problems are. It's that direction. Please spread the word. All right, no, Dave, but one more thing. Yeah, so can we go up there? No? When we go in. Are we going to get arrested if we go up here. there? Yeah. You don't need to get Did shot. you arrest us all? And then it all kicks off. It's pretty clear. Now, it doesn't matter what you think about the level, I mean, that's a person that was involved, period. And if they've got grandmas that were simply present in jail, why wouldn't he be arrested? Why would he be a top suspect and then removed? That's what happens when you are contacted by somebody and says, hey, that's an asset, remove him from the list. And they do so. That's how that looks. It's very clear, guys. There's an obvious agenda here. Don't forget, there was people involved in the militias that were admitted to be in the FBI. There's a woman from a psychological operations outfit that claims she was just there. I mean, there. There's a thousand examples of the government being present. You can't miss this. It was not what they said it was. They're hyping up the idea of how people were, all the people were killed at the people was bludgeoned to death at January 6th. It was an armed insurrection. They wouldn't have to lie about all this if it was not an illusion. It's very clear. Go, and we have to go into the Capitol, and they know this was about trying to create the justification for using these people as the scapegoat they want them to be. Now, on that note, I want us to consider the fact that all of this, outside of two-party paradigm discussion, guys, is driving in the same direction. I know we want to believe in people like DeSantis and others, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But this kind of thing stands out to me as the entire state of Florida just declared a state of emergency because of the hurricane. Now, sure, it seems serious, but why do we need to declare an emergency for weather? Right. I mean, really think about that. Well, they are y'all to remove the block. Why are there blocks? Why do we need? The point is that there's already all sorts of pre-planned setups for any kind of especially in places like Florida that have this kind of weather. So just organize things. What you don't need to declare a state of emergency. What that does is normalizes the idea of anytime they see fit declaring an emergency, which then does allow them unilateral powers. It allows them to take action. They don't need to justify. This is the normal, even from places like this. Now, whether it's because COVID or vaccine mandates or something else, it's all in the same direction. It's emergency governance. Now, this same kind of thing, whether you want to think that way or not, could be used in other directions. 
or maybe the next person that's in charge in Florida. Right? We have to think past the current political talking points. This is the direction whether or not you're involved in the two-party paradigm. Now, on the idea of censorship around all of this, leading us into the COVID discussion, Derek Rose posted something really interesting here that I think is important to consider. It's not COVID-related, but it shows you how these controlled situations take place. In an interview, Hunter Lundy, an attorney representing plaintiffs in two lawsuits alleging that cell phones caused them to develop brain cancer, said he was frustrated with the legal system's slow pace and believes the truth is going to come out. The article is reported from uh, Children's Health Defense after 21 years of delay. 21 years. The lawsuit alleging cell phones caused plaintiff's brain cancer. I uh, forget the title again. It was, uh, you know, comes to pass. Uh, caused, basically, judge hears the evidence. Different title than it says in the, on the tweet or on the, the posting part of it. But the bottom line is that 21 years for something that's just like commonly accepted information. Now, it doesn't mean we know that's for sure, but we all kind of generally joke about the idea of cell phones and cancer and, you know, the idea that that's why Bluetooth and that's one of the sell selling points, right? Use the Bluetooth. Don't keep it next to your head. But yet it, they intentionally for 21 years drag this out because they don't want that to be admitted as we rush into 5G. That's the insulting part about this, guys. And so think about how long, I mean, what we already know about the dangers of these injections. They're doing everything in their power to drag this out. Just like this. Meanwhile, people are getting cancer all over the place and we pretend like we don't know because, well, 21, we're still waiting to find out. We know, guys, we all know. We know what this can do. We know that these things, it's just like knowing that, that Monsanto and Roundup are causing cancer. Well, now Bayer, along with them. Or any number of things we know are doing this, as well as the fact that we know that cannabis and lots of other things we don't talk about are very clearly able to have a very strong effect, better than chemotherapy on all these things. But, you know, those things are all fake news, even though we all generally kind of know them somewhere. This is frustrating. So think about how it's being applied today, right now. And in the context of that, how these topics are being censored, just like that will be censored now and still what it was and now is still because they claim we don't know. You can't say that. We don't know. Well, here's an example of censorship. In fact, censorship of censor <laughs> censoring people for these exact topics. And this is uh, Congress. And it was, I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden, this senator here, discussing this with the, uh, wasn't the CEO, I forget his official title, of Meta or Facebook. And admitting on the record that they're knowingly censoring people which it almost downplays the severity of it because that's even the, even the clip he's going, thank you for your candor. But this is them admitting the government is influencing these actions, which means this is state censorship. That this The whole argument, it's a private company, therefore over, gone, done with, no matter what you argue, even if you argue it's for the right things in the, the right direction, like that they should do this, doesn't matter. It still changes all of it to you can't pretend they have a right to do this. They are right now doing committing state states that this is the u.s government as he argues in this clip circumventing the first amendment now i agree with him that this will come back in the future to be used again and should be because this is important the difference between you as a platform putting forward information and censoring your users at the behest of the white house the administration more broadly in the cdc isn't there a distinction there we specifically uh wanted to work with public health experts to understand the relationship between information and behavior. And so we did consult with the CDC, the World Health Organization, and others. Uh, 
that sounds like an experiment, by the way. Like there, there are that's in a, it, that argue as a means to an end to stop bad things from happening, but really they're just experimenting on that overlap. That's important for a lot of things they're doing today. They being anyone you want to point at the government, this company, the the bioengineers. To understand how the the platform policies we built were affecting public health. Well, you didn't just you didn't just consult with them to understand how they affected public health. You actually censored on their behalf. I mean, you right. t- you took these emails. I'm just quoting from a sample of them, which, by the way, have been disclosed in litigation. These these emails show that you took censorship steps. You took down accounts. You planned misinformation policies. You adjusted your policies at the behest of the United States government. I mean, that, that's not just some theoretical thing. That's actually targeting your user's speech. But you're, you're, I appreciate your forthrightness, by the way. So, but you're saying that, that was, you think that's fine and that was your policy. Senator, we, we've been public about our policies on COVID misinformation specifically as well as on misinformation generally. And so you think there's not, you're not concerned about any of this? Nothing that I just read to you, you're not concerned about it at all? Respectfully, Senator, I think the balance of how to protect free expression as well as public safety is a difficult issue. You see, and here's where we get into the problem, one of the many the idea that they have this altruistic stance like Facebook cares about helping public health. That's this is not even in their real house. Like this is an this is the problem is that suddenly your free speech is the issue. That's how they get this going. They act. This is the fire in a the theater thing. Well, you know, your free speech is only allowed in so far, you know, in the, to the extent that it does not cause. No, you don't. That's not how that works. If a crime is committed, they can be held accountable for it. That's that's the end of it. You can't just be like, well, we know these things might do so, so you can't say these things or that these arguments lead to this. That's ridiculous. We are so off the rails when it comes to this, but that's the problem. They're creating these issues to create the justification for controlling what you can discuss. They're hiding things behind that. I mean, ask yourself why it matters. Like, let's just say you want to take something that's an easy argument to make that by promoting, you know, that you should go out and kill your family on some kind of talk show or show you're doing and pushing the ideas and the logic of it and why it might be good. Like the bottom line is you're going to argue that that show would then lead to people killing their families. Okay. I mean, it's not even that hard to see how that might translate, except the problem is that you're allowed to have discussions about anything like even crazy things like that. You're not committing a crime, but that's the trying to criminalize. Now, I'm not arguing you should you should go out there and do that, but you have a right to when it becomes a problem is when somebody picks up a gun and takes action. Now, that's not even though that person was arguing that it is still the individual grown up with discernment, making a choice to hear those arguments and use that. Even if it's a logical argument, you're still the one deciding to kill somebody. But see, we've gotten so far away from accountability. The idea that that person's in, accountable for their own actions, but they're just going to go, no, it's not my fault. I was confused by the media. Well, yeah, you know who does that all the time? The actual corporate media on a regular basis. So it's the sort of accuse them of that which you are guilty point. But you see how this works? They're acting like they have some kind of charge to defend public health. That's ridiculous. I don't believe for one second Mr. Cox even cares about your health. But it's one we're committed to working with outside experts and publishing our work. Well... Um, I appreciate you being so forthright. As I said, this is actually from litigation between the state of Missouri and the state of Louisiana and the federal government. I, I anticipate that your remarks under oath today are going to be very interesting and helpful to that litigation. I'll just say this. My view is, is that the United States government is bound by the First Amendment. They cannot encourage 
or coerce or incite or collude with a private party to get around the First Amendment, that you've just said to me today that that's basically what they did, that you coordinated with them repeatedly over a pattern of months and years to adjust and target your speech policies for protected speech at the behest of the United States government. I have to tell you, I've got a big problem with that, and I think all your users should too. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. Probably nothing. Probably because that whole breakdown even in Congress has never seemed to even be genuine as nothing ever seems to come to pass other than the same old agendas. A lot of talk there, a lot lot of posed ideas. But as I said, now all of those out there who have been ignorantly grasping to that lie that's been easy to see through for a long time now that they don't censor on behalf of the government, which does make it state censorship when they do, private company arguments out the window. Now they're all going to jump to, well, they have to protect public health. Without missing a beat. Sort of other people that said vaccine passports were a conspiracy theory right up until they said you were dumb and bad and evil for not using them, right? On a dime. Suddenly, they're exactly what we should use, and you're crazy for saying we shouldn't. Weren't you just saying I'm crazy for saying they were happening? Like, how do those people exist? But they are out there. This is the argument they set up for you. Like, setting up for a spike in volleyball. Go ahead, tell them it's public health. We got you. So now it's okay to censor half of the government. You see how quickly that happens? Well, here is the goalkeepers at the Gates Foundation Goalkeepers Conference in 2022 arguing that they need to censor you if you say the things you're not supposed to say. Like, this is an open public conversation. And this is being seen as virtue to remove ideas they think are bad. Why? Because they're the good ones, right? They're your betters. They know what's right. You don't. You're too dumb. And they know that these are bad ideas, and we can't allow you stupid people to think these ideas because they're bad. I mean, it really is as simple as that. Now, do they believe that, or is this just a means to an end? I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? Of course you have a right to think these things, to have ideas, even the gross ones, even the bad ones. Even if you want to go out and become a Nazi, you know what? Baby ears, everybody, you're allowed to. Oh, no. Now, do I think that's gross and disgusting and bad? Yes, I do. But everybody has rights to think and be as they want to be. As long as that's not being forced on somebody, you're not breaking laws, you're not putting anybody in danger. It's pretty simple. But we've gotten to a point to where we've now created the situation where these things translate to bad, evil violence. That's what we keep showing you with the corporate media and with independent media. They're trying to act like by me having this conversation that I'm somehow leading people to violence. Now, it certainly could translate to that, but it's still not my fault that people take violent act. But if you want to make that argument... The media today, the corporate media, is the biggest influencer of action in violent ways that if anybody you could possibly look at, it is everywhere. They're dividing people and driving them to take violent action because they believe the other side is literally destroying your country, literally putting your lives at risk. And they act like we're the ones doing that when that's like their stated argument. It's crazy. So here are them saying, well, these ideas need to be censored. On the supply side, I think we have a bigger problem in some ways. Uh, we, I feel that we have to work with the platforms. I mean, the platforms are already now, uh, the, the social platforms are already beginning to filter things. Now, some of us might agree with it. Some of, it, uh, some of us might not agree with it. But I feel there is no choice. Now, right there, that's the idea. Oh, well, private companies, they can do it. Nope, nope. Sorry, guys. It's proven beyond a doubt. It is proven that they are working with the government. He just admitted it in front of Congress. So therefore, what they're doing is illegal. Doesn't matter, though. 
We have to work with platforms to ensure that there is more authoritative information surfaced. The platforms work with authoritative uh, sources to ensure that only that information surfaces. Okay, I'm not saying delete stuff, but maybe suppress the distribution of it, which some platforms do already. But if I think this, the problem is technology linked. And Why would you even quibble at the idea of deleting it? No, no, just play it down. That's just, that's just him trying not to be too extreme. It's, it's obviously that's what they want. Distribution linked. The solution too, I think, will be technology and distribution linked, at least to some point. I do think really, let me add one plus one, because I think I said- In case you missed that, just you know, the idea of you know, AI type censorship and everything like that. And then gave two. Media literacy, which is what, um, what we call kind of what you're describing here is- Sorry, one more stop right there. I've, this is what they're discussing this as. You see how they frame that? So if you're out there spreading conspiracy theories, it's because you're not media literate. You know what that means? You're too stupid. You just don't understand what the right information is. It's okay, though. We'll take care of that for you. It's, it's so condescending. Everything about them is that you're just too lowbrow. You're too feeble-minded. You just don't understand. That's eugenics talk, guys. That's where this comes back to. I just think it's very, very obvious. You're not media literate. <laughs> I mean, think about the, the hubris it takes to make such an argument. Um, it, is, it is key. I think the real challenge with... Um, trying to moderate it as a supply problem here is that we see new platforms coming constantly that are not willing to engage in those conversations. And so, right. So we're going to stop that first of all, right? These new platforms are problems because they don't engage with the woke political mindset. Right. So what do you think they're going to do about that? Ah, oh, dang it. It is, it is key. Um, it is, it is key. I think the real challenge with um, trying to moderate it as a supply problem here is that we see new platforms coming constantly that are not willing to engage in those conversations. And so dealing on the demand side means that regardless of what the new platform is or what the new technology is or the decentralization of social media, which is you know, kind of beginning but going to continue, we see it quite directly here in the U.S., is that you create a very resilient public as you note, on any number of issues, health and pandemics is only one. And so teaching people to understand here's how information moves today, here's what it looks like, I think just pays dividends in so many different ways and is a, really a global solution regardless of what the specific nuance of a particular emergent platform is. What does he mean decentralized social media, by the way? These things are nothing if not completely centralized. It's, what a strange framing. Of course, that's just, it's op, everything's yeah, it's opposite opposite lifetime for these people apparently. But what's interesting though is the is the framing of that at the end as well. Solution, regardless of what the specific nuance of a particular emergency. So the words used. Ways and is a, really a global. Oh, to educate you on the way information moves. It's so so the way that they use these terms. Like what she's saying there is to teach you how you know how this misinformation can move in front of you. I mean, it, it's just condescending. Everything about what they're doing is very condescending. And this is what takes me to my next point, which is that there is a very clear effort right now for people, and this is always ongoing, to step into this as if they're the. And these are the same people that have been shouting you down for saying the things they're now arguing or being allowed to talk about. The same people that are you know saying that you are a conspiracy theorist for arguing that any of these things are happening that you shouldn't get an injection that masks don't work that i mean on and on and on the same people are now stepping into this conversation about the boosters and acting like well because they're allowed to talk about the boosters that it's dangerous that we don't have all the information here's uh dr vinay prasad and z dog talking about this 
you saying you literally saying they always want one size fits all policy to satisfy Lord Borla, Lord Borla, right? Because it's only about the pharmaceutical companies, not not the government, right? Not the obvious overlap, not the because they're they're terrified to get into anything they might be told is conspiracy theory. That's the problem with people in these positions. But take a listen to this. Don't forget these people. This this Z dog guy is exactly the person who was acting like the antibody dependent enhancement that was found in peer reviewed science in December 2020 as a problem that needs to be discussed. Otherwise, you're not being informed. There is no informed consent. Acted like that was a conspiracy theory. I mean, maybe he still does. I don't know. I don't care to watch the kind of nonsense they put forward. But acting like mass work, all these different manipulative points. Here's what they're saying today. Wrap your mind around this. What they found was actually the bivalent booster group did worse clinically. It looked like it underperformed. More infections, now, more Now, of course, not the primary endpoint of the study. Right. Low sample size, That's all right. the appropriate caveats. And many caveats, yeah. But Paul's point was that it was not blatantly obvious that it is a better choice. That's right. Oh, except that Paul Offit said quite a bit more, which I'll play next. In fact, he very clearly said that we shouldn't use that. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that the way they're trying to play it in one direction. But it's insulting. If they're taking this stance, and even if they talk about, like, well, let me just play it real quick. Um, That's right. I mean, I don't know even where to start. There's so many things problematic with this booster idea. One is, and this is what Paul does a great job of separating. One is, what is the evidence? How many boosters do you need to avoid any symptomatic disease? Right. And the Zero. The answer to that is infinite. Infinity. Because yeah. there's an, it'll never happen. You need a booster. Uh, <clears throat> IV booster IV bolus. Yeah. And even then they're saying, you know, they went from six months to four months to two months. And now they're like, right. if, if if they've withdrawn the needle from the last booster, it's okay to slide one to in. Slide another slide one in. Slide one in, right? right. So they're, okay, so the booster. Like, it just, it kills me that they're joking about this is the, exactly what we have been harping on from the very beginning. These people acted like you were an idiot because they knew better. And here they are in a very, very, surface level discussion of what they're allowed to be poking at now talking about this this isn't even the most important conversation right now you know what i mean like this is just what's already been happening and what's been done to this country is the biggest criminal criminal act i've ever seen in my life these people allowed that to happen booster you can never avoid that and then what is the optimal number of boosters shots or total doses zero needed to minimize severe disease and you don't need any of these they're all dangerous and they're all hurting people and it's a very open question we don't really right. know and it may and obviously yeah, yeah yeah we do know though you see you guys are still walking this childish line acting like there's not an overwhelming waterfall of evidence showing you that these things are hurting people see this is the allowed stance right now we're allowed to act like we're being you know critical of the current thing nobody's taking this i think two percent is the current uptake of the new bivalent thing Nobody. You see, it's probably different for a 95-year-old versus a uh, a 15-year-old. Probably. Um, but this administration doesn't seem to understand that there's a difference between the two um, because they always want one-size-fits-all policies to uh, satisfy Lord Borla. I mean – Like you see the, the – the, oh, okay, I'm kind of kidding. So that's the joking insinuation that the CEO of a pharmaceutical company is the one leading all of this? Really? Like what a willful, ignorant stance. Of course he's involved. All of them are, though. Why wouldn't it be Talzax or, you know, Moderna or what? You know, it, why the specific focus? I just think it's strange. There's a lot of evidence showing you a lot. Like you bring up the word Bill Gates and they act like you're the dumbest person alive. What? I go compares there. Oh, the Great Reset. Oh, you guys are a tinfoil hat. Like exactly in the chat. Pseudo intellectual. Exactly.
I mean, uh, the American people, uh, <laughs> Lord, not, Borla. Lord Borla. Um, <laughs> the rings of power, Borla edition. I will just say this. God. If any one of those people involved in these decisions end up on the board of director of Pfizer or Moderna, yeah, you, 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 we will make sure to point it out to the world every day. Oh, cause you're doing such good journalism, right? The obvious and clear overlap involving door from FDA, as they do mention Gottlieb and others. I mean, good God, this is as limited hangout. This is truth light guys. This is not even truth light. This is truth light on diet like this is jokes to me now i'm not saying maybe they're finally understanding this stuff but how embarrassing it must be to be in this position sitting here acting like you're now finally opening your eyes to the real danger that has been swirling around you this entire time that you've been willfully ignoring like i just find it impossible to believe these people don't know that they were ignoring stuff the whole time i don't know call me crazy call me uh, you know petty for pointing it out i i do not i think it's a hugely concerning issue that we have people like this slowly sliding themselves in as the ones having the hot take that's contentious and you're not supposed to say i i don't buy it i think we're being set up for a situation where the people that are the ones lying to you maybe just like with italy are exactly the 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 ones framing themselves as the solution are the ones that are putting themselves in a position to manipulate you the most that's what I think. Moderna. Yeah, you, 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 we will make sure to point it out to the world every day. And I think, no one I think this is one time that the American people will really be pissed. Yeah. Because the- oh, the one time. Yeah. Like we haven't been calling this out the entire time. Like this, and, but I'm not wrong necessarily. More people are aware than ever, which is probably why you guys are beginning to shift because it's pretty obvious that you're like the only ones pretending like there's not a problem anymore. This is all that other, all that other revolving door stuff never got this level of attention. Yeah. This is one that they got to be real careful. Yeah. You know, and, you know, the last FDA commissioner, he's like on some venture capital firm that has equity in Moderna. Uh, and, you know, Gottlieb is on is the board of director of Pfizer. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. No, no. Big deal. Now, really, my main focus is more so in regard to Mr. Z, M, M, Z dog MD. I, always, I don't know why I always mix that up just because it's insulting that these kind of people. Now, look, you could change your opinion, but I'm not paying attention to his work. If he has some kind of mea culpa where he put out videos going, I've been wrong this entire time and I apologize for misleading people. Well, then maybe I'll give him some respect, but not now. Not unless I see that because that there's there's no sidling up to the narrative today and acting like you've been seeing it the whole time, which a lot of people have done a lot, including people that I don't think are necessarily dishonest. Some people that have kind of shunned me from interviews, which. I was, it doesn't even matter. I can go off forever on, on the reality of how people still, still even now act like we're the conspiracy theorists, even though they've now begun to argue the same things we've been saying from the very beginning. But I won't get into all that because that might be petty. But let's go forward in regard to the true escalation of this. Or, oh, there's one more point. This, this is another interesting sidestep about this. This is, it's, and this is not wrong. I get, you know, in the sense that I don't think it's dishonest. Let's put it that way. This professor says, I'll repeat this again, being against vaccinating young children for COVID or not wanting atrocious vaccine mandates does not make you anti-vax. Not everybody needs jab after jab. It will benefit some, but not all. Not I don't believe that for a second. He says, that's not anti-vax. That's common sense. Now, here's the problem here. Not problem, really, but you're beginning to see this weird. This is because everybody is beginning to see what we've always been pointing out. Right. Always for a long time. Not just I'm talking about independent media. There's a lot of people that are deserve the credit of being right about this the entire time. And a lot, and not that they were new, but rather that they were being rightly objective and asking certain questions that, that were shouted down and have now proved out to be the most important questions. 
but you're hiding this huge grouping in the middle that is just being dragged into the reality of just understanding that the COVID and vaccine is not as effective as they told it were like this. That's the, the most they can grab right now, even though it's that they're killing people, but they're sliding those people over. Or rather, that's happening. And so now they're going, well, it's not anti-vax. Now they're being called anti-vax for suddenly be going, wait a minute, guys. Doesn't the peer-reviewed evidence show that it's not anti-vaxxer? They're being attacked by the people they once thought were around them, right? That's how everyone sees this going. So now they're the ones standing up and going, come on, guys. It's not anti-vax. Just say this one is dangerous. Well, welcome to the party, guys. Welcome to RFK Jr. stance the entire time, which you might have once called anti-vax because that was okay. The problem is, that they're still saying, well, it can benefit some, but not all. Stop attacking me. Eventually, 20 years from now, this will, full, uh, you know, I hope so, come fully to light. And the, even these people will then just finally be allowed to say certain things. Realize that the last American vagabond or plenty of other independent media have been on your side from the beginning. Unafraid, unabashedly pointing out what is clearly the most logical solu- solution, problem, example of evidence. But this is a middle ground now you're going to see. And that's why these kind of people are doing the same thing. The shift. The problem, though, is things like this, for example. This is currently happening. Won't be addressed or will be called conspiracy theory by those same people up until they're allowed to act like this is actually happening, despite peer-reviewed science. Now, Dr. Michael points out how it started, which is no trace of mRNA found in breast milk, according to the experts. How it's going. Detection of messenger RNA will, in fact, mod RNA, COVID-19 vaccines in human breast milk. Now, I was going to try to put that in the title, but I didn't want to confuse anybody. Don't forget, they, I don't know why they decided to just call it mRNA. It's not mRNA. In their own documentation, it's mod RNA. It's modified, genetically modified RNA. It's not, it's not organic. It's not pulled from something. This is made in a lab. That's a very important point here. So that modified, genetically altered RNA is now being found in breast milk, which shouldn't surprise anybody paying attention because we've been showing you this kind of stuff for a long time. Here, JAMA Pediatrics, peer-reviewed, one of the most highly respected networks or rather, you know, publication of scientific research out there, peer-reviewed. Trace amounts of COVID-19 vaccine mod RNA were detected in the breast milk of some lactating women. Caution is warranted. Oh, now we can caution not to attack JAMA necessarily, but just, you know, it's a, even saying we should caution moments ago was attack worthy. Caution is warranted regarding breastfeeding infants younger than six months in the first two days after birth. See, the, it, even that, why just the first two days? Why only six months? Like, my God, if we're dragging people into this realization, we need to start going, okay, what else is a lie? What else is potentially dangerous? Everything, and this is the crux of the point, should be paused stopped scrapped i would argue until people can actually suss out what's going on but nope the argument is even though we don't know and everything we keep saying turns out to be wrong we're going to keep getting it quickly out before because you're all going to die even though we just said it's not about as less than the flu and pandemic is over and yeah because it all adds up right so we're not in danger it's not that dangerous but take this because you're about to die even though we just showed you that we don't know if we're right and dangerous it's like around and round we go it's insulting here's the actual study September 26, 2022, detection of messenger RNA, COVID-19 vaccines in human breast milk. You can read it for yourself. It's as simple as that. The problem, though, to make this very clear. Now, again, to be clear, just because the study found that doesn't necessarily mean it's the end-all, be-all argument. It's when you take this in conjunction with everything else we already know makes it undeniable. But what we need to understand 
And by the way, I just went over this in regard to showing you that the lipid nanoparticles, the mRNA, the spike protein, they do not stay in your arm. They circulate your body. It goes around your body within one hour, and many studies have found it's, it's obvious. I think it's pretty clear that this is a problem that they've tried to hide from the very beginning. Because if it circulates your body right away, well, that's not even remotely what they promised. And all those things are very dangerous, including the spike protein itself, which is cytotoxic, according to the Salk Institute. But what we see is, as he's, Justin Hart says, Judge, what evidence do you have that the government was pushing pregnant and breastfeeding women to get the COVID vaccine? <laughs> right? Because clearly they're all so informed. And hit to him, he just says, well, here you go. Right? And I'll, I'll, this is the video where he's going through tweet after tweet after tweet where it's saying pregnant women should get the vaccine. Pregnant women are, you should save your, you know, protect your baby, protect yourself, and, you know, whatever else they're pushing over and over. It's relentless. And as Rhino Reuter points out, I archive CDC tweets which contain the word, and you, I post it right here for you. So you could run through this yourself. CDC issues urgent health advisory strongly recommends vaccination for pregnant women, right? It's always been unsafe. At the very least, unknown. I've made this point relentlessly from the very beginning. You know why? And you know, those who watch this show, because the documentation has always said, we don't know if this is safe. So how then can you strongly recommend during that time frame, all the way till now that this is safe or rather that they should, especially when you're now admitting that this was never really even that dangerous in regard to the flu and other things. It's not a risk when you're battling. This is like saying, stick this unknown substance in your body because it may help you, even though we don't know the, pro like if, like the flu or whatever the problem is. Here's something we haven't tested. Now, this problem here is in existence. You might get sick. You might not but stick this in your arm. It might make it better. Does that even sound like the right thing to do? I mean, there's nothing about that that makes sense. Scroll through this. It's one after the other. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Well, as you know, oh, or actually, I forgot. I forgot. Oh, that, yeah, that's right. This will actually be pretty crazy for you guys. You might not know. I didn't know until today that they updated <clears throat> the old community document, which no, oh, that's what I, that's right. I did have it for a reason. Hold on. I closed the Wayback Machine version thinking that I had it redundantly. Here's why I didn't have it as that loads. They've updated this document <clears throat> because it now, which I don't even know is allowed legal includes all of these intermingled with community. But wait a minute. This is a whole new injection. It's not community, right? They're even, they were even chastised for calling it a booster. This is a whole new injection. And yet now they're conflating it. See, this is the this is the one just from February, which I've been showing you, right? Page one hundred five. You can see the risks for pregnancy, which says they don't know if it's safe or breast, breastfeeding. Here is the new document, September twenty twenty two, and you can see right here BNT one six two B two plus this plus that community community original Omicron BA one community original Omicron BA five four what? Okay, so they're clearly <clears throat> trying to operate under the very legally shaky ground, I would argue actually criminal ground, that this is just an extension of community, which therefore means it's approved. I mean, you guys tell me, how in the world are you going to conflate these two things? It's not community. Community was the legal name given to the approved version. But now apparently it says right there, community original overlap with the BA45 as the community original of BA1. Wow. Well, here's what the new document says under that, under September 2022. Same thing. Safety profile of the vaccine is not fully known in pregnant or breastfeeding women. 
Okay, so this is as of today, and yet they're still saying they should get it? The CDC still presses this? No data are available yet regarding the use of Comirnaty Original Omicron BA1 and Comirnaty Original BA4 and 5. It's right there during pregnancy and breastfeeding. You know why that's important? Because they claim that the data is from BA1, right? Well, guess what? They didn't do the studies in BA1 either. There is zero, not eight mice, but zero evidence about whether this is safe for pregnant women. And it says it right there. There are no data available regarding whether BA1 Omicron, which, which how in the, why is even BA1 considered community? In any case, that is dangerous, right? They don't know if this is safe and yet they're still pushing it. Now on that same note, while we're here, you can see the same data. This is September. This is including the new bivalent. Immunocompromised, limited information about whether it's safe, interactions with other vaccines, studies to determine the co-administration and whether it's effective or safe are not been performed. But yet take the flu shot right next to it, right? Because why not? We don't know if it's safe, but why not? Because vaccine's good. Long-term safety data of the bivalent, the long-term vaccine, the safety of the vaccine is unknown. We don't know long-term safety. We don't know how it interacts with the vaccines. We don't know if it's safe for pregnant or breastfeeding women. We don't know if it's safe for autoimmune disorders. We don't know if it's safe for immunocompromised patients. We don't know if it's safe for frail patients with comorbidities, otherwise known as elderly. There's limited information on the safety. I mean, this is literally unknown safety for basically most people. And here it is being driven in. My God, guys. Now, guess what? Again, to make sure this is clear, here is the document specifically for the new thing. As I'll load it again so you can see. This one was the old document about Comirnaty from the, e- the EMA Europe.eu. Here is the fact sheet from the FDA regarding the, the, uh, the BAB, BA4 and 5. Same thing, guys. I just showed you this. No data available regarding the use of Pfizer Biotech COVID vaccine by valent during pregnancy. No data. Zero. Down here, same thing. No data available to assess whether it's safe for breastfeeding or excre- see right there or production excretion. So they're admitting, we don't know. We have no idea. Now, when it comes out that we have science showing you that it is coming out in breast milk, what happens? Fake news. How can you even make that argument? Especially seeing as how it's very clearly that that they don't know. We also have the same information as all the others. Pediatric use. This is interesting, by the way, the emergency use authorization, which shouldn't be allowed for, I think, four very clear reasons that make the emergency use for any of this right now illegal, most importantly being approved alternatives, approved community spike backs on the shelf they're not giving out, still legally approved, but they still emergency authorize. It's illegal, especially since, actually, actually, more importantly, especially since they conflate these now, right? They're conflating this as as community. So community approved, that's what they say. So how can you emergency authorize another? Ver- this is a crime, especially since they just said we're no longer in an emergency. So how can you have an emergency authorization? doesn't matter, right? But they say the use of for the emergency authorization for children, for the bivalent, is based on the safety and effectiveness of the COVID vaccine in individuals six months of age. So again, they're taking the dangerous thing that's hurting people all over the place that they're ignoring and saying, well, clearly that's safe. Therefore, we know this is safe, even though we admit that we don't even know if that translates. We assume it does, but go ahead, give it to children, right? It's just disgusting. It's the same thing. Geriatric use, same idea. Where it said, right, they're basically the contributes to the overall assessment. That's all they can say. 
the clinical studies from the earlier versions contribute to the overall assessment. Contribute to what? Oh, to nothing, because we didn't do any safety trials in the new thing. So it doesn't contribute to anything. It just is all you got. Okay. Contribute is quite a self-serving word, isn't it? A clinical study with a bivalent vaccine included 197 individuals. This is about efficacy, not safety, by the way. And it says to, and it says, and the data contribute to the overall assessment of safety and efficacy, which is also a very clearly self-serving lie. They themselves admit that there was none. They translate that from BA1, and it was only eight mice. This is a crazy, this lies everywhere. Finally, here is the new UK document, which is the most very clear. It is considered that sufficient reassurance of safe use of the vaccine in pregnant women cannot be provided at this present time. Excuse me? Women who are breastfed should also not be vaccinated. That's, that's the UK document. That's the most recent version about this injection, guys. Updated August 16th. I mean, and yet you have the UK right now still suggesting that pregnant women get the injection. If you can't see through this by now, you're choosing not to. Now, by the way, this is the this is the one I tend to confuse with the very, very stupid person, despite having a PhD that I tend to to ignore. There's another guy out there that has a similar name that I conflate. This guy's not the one, just not clear. The next generation of FDA logic says, let's assume it's safe until proven otherwise. Right. That's what's happening right now. This person he's referencing, he says, is oblivious to EV transfection. One month old expressing pseudo U spike is not likely leafy green mRNA. The point is, this is what she has to say about this. I think it's this one too. Okay, yeah, I'll keep this back. But think about the logic there, right? And this is what she tries to argue, that until it's proven dangerous, that we just keep doing it, right? I mean, how do you argue that's safe? This MD says, trace vaccine mRNA found in breast milk. Okay, and no evidence of either benefit or harm. Okay, so we don't know if it's safe. So keep taking it? This person shouldn't have a practice, guys. No evidence of stability of the mRNA once it's exposed to gastric secretions. We eat mRNA all the time. Has chicken mRNA turned me into poultry yet? Nope. Again, even if you think that's a valid argument, which I don't even think so, I don't personally think so, you just admit that we don't know. It could be dangerous, especially since it's genetically modified, which she probably doesn't even know. Right. Oh, excuse me. She got to use her right pronouns, right? This is crazy. This is, if we don't know it's dangerous, that we should take it? She says, have I become a leafy green le- green and leafy after eating a salad? It's just a stupid argument. Not a bit. So spare me the alarm about mRNA and breast milk. Or how about the bottom line that they said that wasn't happening? Do you not care that they were wrong? Does that mean they could be wrong about something else? Nah. It's true, but conspiracy at the same time, right? That you're not allowed to acknowledge that they said something that was wrong, that they lied and you could prove they knew it was happening and they still lied? But yeah, trust them because you're crazy for not blindly trusting your authorities. Just speaks up and says, what long-term studies were done into the safety of mRNA being added to the physiology of a newborn? Don't the extensive list of side effects admitted by Pfizer docs warrant some concern or debate? I find this cavalier attitude astonishing from an educated physician. Well, educated is a leap, right? But that's where we are. This other MD speaks up and says, if you'd like to, if you would like to know what ER doctors do when offered a bivalent COVID vaccine, the answer is they get it as quickly as possible when first eligible. Right. Because this guy knows every ER doctor anywhere. Right. And they're all think like him. Right. Like this kind of mindset is just hubristic and stupid. It is literally ignorant to think that, you know, what every other ER doctor wants. This is you virtue signaling to Twitter and go oh, good. Pat him on the head. He said the right thing. 
in any case, ER doctors aren't specialists when it comes to vaccines. So it's a stupid thing to assume because you're a doctor. Therefore, you know, doctor things like it's just this is just so stupid to me. And, and look, he may think that. But you're telling me that because they say so, you answer and do it. Well, you're a follower, man. You're not intelligent. That's not critical thinking. You can consider that they might have what's your best interest in heart. But shouldn't you know? Don't you care about informed consent? The problem is this is being framed as the right answer, right? That you just do what you're told, except you have a problem here. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name because here is another doctor. In fact, an FBA advisor who was working on this exact project, Dr. Paul Offit. Guess what he said? Quote, if there's not clear evidence of benefit, then it's not fair to ask people to take the risk. Yeah, that sounds like basic logic to me. And the reality being, this has always been the idea. If there's risk, there's choice. And there's choice anyway, by the way. But if we know, as he says, how he's literally telling you there's not clear evidence of a benefit. But yet we're supposed to force this on people, make you a bad person for not doing it? Well, this guy's literally working with the group, and he voted no on this, by the way. But you're supposed to listen to a random ER doctor on Twitter because you're a bad person if you don't? Oh, so the idea is there. The panel is meeting today. It's likely that they're going to recommend, right, this booster that does specifically target Omicron. So when people are trying to understand the... But even right there, I hate to take issue with something so small just because it's stopping it, but it's not It's not focusing on Omicron. Omicron was what the first thing was. These are sub-variants of Omicron. Like, I just, it just matters. These things matter, doesn't it? But you see, my point is that corporate media, they have, they, I'm surprised they even know what the, they, I, they don't probably know what the next talking point is. She's probably reading directly from this thing and would read like Tom, or Tom, Ron Burgundy, anything that was put out there. I genuinely believe that. But they're wrong is my point, And that doesn't matter. You're allowed to be wrong as long as you err in the right direction for these people. Difference. How do you explain it to them? Well, here's what I would say. I think the, the, the question is who really benefits from another dose? I mean, it, it, the, the CDC has shown that people who've gotten three doses are generally are, are less likely to be hospitalized than those who got two, and those who got four were less likely to be hospitalized than those who got three. But who are those people? Who are those people who are getting hospitalized? It really falls into three groups. One is the elderly, meaning people over 65. Two is people who have the kind of serious health problems, say chronic lung disease, which when they get a mild or moderate infection, lands them in the hospital. And three is people who are immune compromised. I think what this, the advisory committee is going to be voting on later this afternoon is, is are we going to allow distribution of the Moderna vaccine for everybody over 18, of the Pfizer vaccine for everybody over 12? And, and I, what I fear is that they're going to say everybody should get it when, in fact, a healthy young person really is unlikely to benefit from a booster dose. And so I hope they, they target it more specifically. They didn't, by the way to those really who are most likely to benefit from this additional dose. Now, clearly they set out age groups and, and, and suggestive points, but the bottom line is the message put out by the Twitter sphere and the media was that everybody needs this. And if you don't do it, you're a bad person, just like in the beginning. And we all saw it. So if they don't, because right now, as it stands, if you are 50 and over, if you have you know, a pre-existing condition, yes, you could be eligible. But otherwise, as you point out, younger people are not. If it is. My point on that, by the way, is we've seen consistently from the beginning that this is being given to people outside the age groups, outside the allowable, everything. Children, toddlers being vaccinated in the first few months of this whole thing. We saw all this, right? So I don't buy it for a second. I believe that the, everybody's convincing themselves it's the right thing to do, and so they're doing it. Just I think that's becoming very clear. And we already have seen examples of people that have been it, it, on and on and on. But the point is that they're 
pushing this as the right thing for anybody, even at this point. Is in fact authorized. Pfizer would be authorized for 12 and up, as you point out. Moderna, 18 and up. Why not get it? Right. If it does give you even if it's a smaller benefit, is there any reason not to get the booster? (laughs) Can you believe what what a great journalistic answer? I mean, think about as a journalist, call it pretending that's what you are here in this case, asking a question like that. Like. If that's that this a commercial for vaccine promotion. I mean, is there even a talk about, I mean, he's brought up numerous points about concerns and you just skim right over it. Why wouldn't you take it? Is there any reason not to take it? Like, how about asking him why that certain age groups shouldn't take it? Ask him about the reasons he thinks that, right? That would be actual journalism. I think there, that when you're asking people to get a, a vaccine, I think there has to be clear evidence of benefit. And, and we're not going to have clinical studies, obviously, before this launches. But you- Which means there's no clear evidence of benefit right now you'd like to have at least human data people you know getting this vaccine you see a clear and dramatic increase in neutralizing antibodies and then at least you have a correlate of protection which they don't have remember that's the clip they keep playing against against ba4 ba5 because if you don't have that if there's not clear evidence of benefit then it's not fair i think for to ask people Mm -hmm. to take a risk no matter how small the benefits should be clear and it's and the risks are not small that's the main point but again since we've had that we've played this before this is the important idea about it's the correlative protection is important because what they're saying is that we're seeing a response but we have yet to dec- and this isn't this isn't BA4 and 5 this is the earlier version and even then they still didn't know yeah we see something happening but does it actually protect you we don't know we like to think so and then can you repeat the the second question i do i mean obviously you have a lot of data now what is your correlative protection is. Everybody's measuring antibodies. They're probably relevant, but as we know... That's that's a long question. We need a quick answer. (laughs) I would say there is no established correlate of protection. Good times. No established correlation between what they're doing and whether it protects you. That sounds good, doesn't it? Well, as I said, the logic that applied since day one. Now that it's allowed to be discussed, the grifters and manipulators swing in. Stay objective, guys. Stay objective. Here is my point from before. Here's another doctor, at least a Twitter doctor. If you test, and by the way, I looked at this, and it doesn't appear to be a, a parody account. So I think I thought it was, I thought it was at first. If you test, if you still mask, if you update your vaccines, if you clean and or monitor the air, you're not alone. Hashtag, you're not alone. Like, Seriously? I mean, this is the way even they tried to frame the like the people who weren't getting the injection as the scared ones. Like, there's just so much projection going on. It's insulting. Like, so we're the ones that like you're arguing that we're not buying the fear narrative. And yet we're the scared ones because we're scared of what vaccines. <laughs> like, it's just such a stupid argument as they're the ones in a corner with three masks on and gloves and glasses. And like, we are. The, it's just silly. Now, some of them may be in that category. But this is the idea to act like you're the ones that are being persecuted. Like, you're not alone. Like, you need to find solidarity in other people that are still mindlessly losing themselves in this COVID narrative. I mean, my God. I hope it's a parody account. I could, I could, didn't seem to be. But either way, there's an F effort like this. And you can click the hashtag and look at it of people trying to argue that they need to connect with other people that are fighting for the mass, fighting for the vaccine mandates. I mean, it's just insulting. I believe it's probably an agenda. But it's out there. Now, this is meanwhile, 
let's assume they're real for the sake of this next point that these doctors that are out there screaming that they need to do this and that you should do it because it's the right thing to do. Well, guess what? You're about to be thrown under the bus, at least in the UK, the MHRA, the regulating medicines and medical devices group that regulates for the yellow card and the yellow card scheme. Here's what they just said. And this is him pointing out this would happen. The role of the MRNA or M, excuse me, MHRA is to provide healthcare professionals with advice on the safe, on the safe use of medicines and vaccines, so they are able to discuss the benefits and risks of a treatment with the patient. Except that's obviously not what they've been doing. They've been hiding all these things from the very beginning and been caught for it. But this is the point of this post, I believe. Information on the possible risks risks associated with the medical products can be found in the summaries. Of course, they argue because we have it out there somewhere, which nobody can find. Therefore, informed consent. <laughs> no, that's not how that works. See, you're supposed to make this abundantly clear to the doctors so they can inform people. But if you're hiding this from the doctors, well, then you're you're not you're intentionally hindering informed consent. And to the point where the doctors may not even be aware of that, even though I do argue they're just as much at fault. This what you're about to see is them throwing the doctors under the bus, which I, we always knew was going to happen. Now, it says information on the possible risks, medical products can be found here. Uh, it says that there are a number of additional routes through which we communicate safety information to healthcare professionals, which include our website, social media channels, and monthly drug and safety update bulletins, which contain information about all this stuff, which we know has been completely hiding all the real risks about COVID-19 vaccines, right? Here's how they finish it. However, the final responsibility for the clinical care of the patient remains with the healthcare professional, given their clinical expertise and knowledge of the medical history of the patient. Here you go. Perfect. So now when, when all these people get proven to be killed by the injection, they're going to go, well, the doctors had the final say. Doctors are at fault. It's they're the ones. We're just advisory. We're advisory boards. Right. Now, I agree. These doctors have a responsibility to do their due diligence. And many of them, most of them are, you aren't. And they're choosing to ignore this stuff. But this is the agency that they're supposed to be relying on in one case for a lot of this stuff. And they're throwing them under the bus. Which is always what was going to happen, guys. That's always how this works. And that's the sad reality about these sycophants like these people is that they don't they pretend like they're always going to be on the right side because they did the right thing by listening to their authorities. They list, they trust their betters. And now just like that usually happens, they're going to be thrown to the bus. Now Dr. Peter McCullough points out CDC starts a long process of contacting 8887 Americans on their injury disability. If you had this complication, which is myocarditis, enter it yourself or ensure done by the clinic or hospital. It's far more than what we're seeing. Respond to the CDC when they reach out. He's testified to the U.S. Senate. One case is too many. Myocarditis is one of the many things that is becoming common knowledge, even as they still try to hide it from you. How embarrassing. Here is Express. Warning. Woman who ate the same fruit daily almost lost her leg from dangerous blood clot. Oh, except when you find out and you dig into this, one has nothing to do with the other, but it's cool. She ate a lot of fruit one day and then also had a blood clot. <laughs> Vaccines aren't even involved in the conversation. Yeah, of course, because there's no such thing that could even possibly cause that, right? I mean, here's what's funny, by the way. Just right here, it says, got a blood, lost her leg due to dangerous blood clot. That's one part. After eating fruit, the, sa fruit, the same fruit every day. <laughs> Okay, well, isn't it the same as saying that all these people had heart attacks after they got the injection? We're not saying we necessarily can prove the injection caused it, but they definitely had heart attacks after getting the injection. No, fake news. We know what you're really trying to do. We got to censor that because you're causing vaccine hesitancy or whatever their narrative is. 
Isn't it funny that it's okay to do that in any other context, right? Like the fact that she ate the same fruit every, the same fruit daily. Could it have played a role? Of course. Did it? Well, we don't know, but sure as hell going to conflict the two things because we don't want to consider anything that might suggest that the thing you've otherwise admitted can cause blood clots, you know, might've caused a blood clot because that's crazy, right? We'll just guess into the, into the ether and be like, maybe it was that. Maybe it's because she wore red shirts every day. Who knows? It's just mind-blowingly stupid. Now, the off-guardian points out how this is happening everywhere. COVID is just a new name for the symptom cluster we usually call the flu, off-guardian writes. This is not an option. No, excuse me, not an opinion. It is a fact documented but buried in the official data. It's therefore impossible this new name for old symptoms is responsible for the increase in kids with strokes which is what they're referring to. This person literally says, healthcare worker of two decades at major U.S. hospital told me this memo. It's a memo, by the way, put out by the hospital about kids having strokes. Just went out to the hospital staff and he wants to throw up. It's not normal. He and his colleagues never saw this influx of kids with strokes before COVID. Or rather what they're calling it. A stroke can happen at any age. Signs of stroke in children are often missed because there's a lack of awareness. Really? Like you're going to miss the fact that they have a stroke? I mean, this is just so willfully dishonest. In growing children, dec- decreasing decreased movement or weakness of one b- side of the body could be a sign of a stroke. I mean, this has never happened before this. And anybody honest will tell you that. They've never seen this before, never had this issue, and now suddenly it's normalized. Now, I, I'm going to skip this just because it gets into a whole bunch of back and forth, but the point is they're discussing this, and I find it really insulting. This person basically says, the PCR test is one way this manipulation happens, and then a person responds to them by saying, which is why they do a PCR test, to confirm. <laughs> it's like, you not even read the thread? I mean, people are just so stuck on the narrative. But the idea of normalizing strokes in children, it just hurts my heart. Not, and I don't even mean that as a, as a, as a uh, joke. I mean, it's, it's painful. Because at some level, they know they're doing this. And this, is, I thought, was a good example. Jimmy just posted this, Jimmy54. Remember Maddie, Maddie DeGuerre? She was 12 years old when she took part in the trial. Not, not in, but in the trial where they're supposed to be pointing these things out. They brushed her aside. Do you know what they still have it listed as on the Vayers report, which shows you that even that's being manipulated as they then dismiss it anyway? A stomachache. She's still in a wheelchair to this day eating through a tube. And even people, they tried to call this fake news when this first came out. This is a mom testifying in front of Congress. This this is horrifying. And this was one of the earliest during the trial, and yet this is still being given. As a COVID vaccine, as a participant in the clinical trial for 12 to 15-year-olds, all three of our kids volunteered and were excited to participate in the trial as a way to help us all return to normal life. My husband works in the medical field and I have a degree in electrical engineering. We are pro-vaccine and pro-science, which is why we agreed to let Maddie and her two older brothers volunteer for the trial. And you know, the, the saddest part, not saddest part, but most insulting right there, just in that, con- in that comment, they were called anti-vaxxers. Despite letting her be in the damn trial, and because she got hurt by it and they dared to point it out, they called him anti-vaxxers. Like, it shows you how stupid, or rather the lack of logic that goes into that argument. Before Maddie got her final dose of the vaccine, she was a healthy 12-year-old who got straight A's um, and had lots of friends. She had a life. She was energetic. She was not like this. 
although she does still have lots of friends. <laughs> Upon receiving the second shot, Maddie immediately felt pain at the injection site. Over the next two and a half months, her abdominal, muscle, and nerve pain became unbearable. She developed additional symptoms that included gastroparesis, nausea and vomiting, erratic blood pressure and heart rate, memory loss, she mixes up words, brain fog, headaches, dizziness. Gee, that sure sounds a hell of a lot like long COVID, doesn't it? Weird, right? It's almost like they're the same thing. Oops, can't say that out loud. Fainting, she fell and hit her head, and then um, seizures. She had verbal, she developed verbal and motor tics. She had loss of feeling from the waist down and muscle weakness. Drastic changes in her vision, urinary retention and loss of bladder control, severely irregular and heavy menstrual cycles, and eventually she had to have an NG tube put in to get nutrition. All of these symptoms are still here today. Some days are worse than others. Our greatest challenge came when her doctors began to consider an alternative diagnosis. Well, she really didn't have one before. So because they couldn't figure it out, one physician labored, labeled her as having functional neurologic disorder. Don't forget that this was put down as, an abdom- as a stomach ache. And they refused to change it. Right, it's all honest, right? It's all up on the up and up. Because that's what you do, right? You hide in a bear. I mean, there's no ignoring that. And yet they did. I don't even know how anybody could pretend that there's honesty in any level of this. Well, here is another individual, as you've seen before. And I know a lot of people have had a lot to say about him in the, in the you know, so, in so many last months. And if you ever, I, I question everything, as I do as well. Regardless, the point is still sound. He says the most recent data demonstrates that you are more likely to become infected or have disease, or even death, if you've been vaccinated compared to the unvaccinated. Now, of course, his argument seems to kind of stand on, well, some people still, I mean, here's the interesting part about this. He was recently arguing that there's still benefit to some ages and so on. You can even see their their opinions shifting, because as we've been doing for a long time now, I believe they're starting to see too. It's it's not something we should be soft rolling. It is dangerous for everybody. I mean, you know, I, this, I mean, it's, it's not my opinion. This is shockingly clear with what's in front of us. And I'm so glad to see people like this beginning to say the same. Adequate to only consider the short-term adverse events as related to the vaccine. We must acknowledge that the genetic COVID-19 genetic injections cause far more harm than good and provide zero benefit relative to risk for the young and healthy. They do not reduce COVID-19 infection, which is treatable and not terminal. Furthermore, the most recent data demonstrates that you are more likely to become infected or have disease or even death if you've been vaccinated compared to the unvaccinated people. This is shocking to hear, but it is what the data are showing us. The data now show that these experimental gene therapy treatments can damage your children as well as yourself. Now, can I just make one, one, oh, here, it's almost done, let me finish it. They can damage your heart, your brain, your reproductive tissue, and your lungs. This can include permanent damage and disablement of your immune system. Right. Now, 
if you can indulge me for a moment, just to give a quick shout out to the work that we're doing on this show and everybody involved with TLAV is recognize this again, guys. And this is just demonstrating our value. If you're out there and you're on the fence about whether you support this platform or something, uh, hopefully you'll support all of it if you can. But there's, here's a reason why you support The Last American Vagabond. Because this is opinion, this, this, what they're now stating, even, I mean, people like that, and this is not meant to disparage anybody. I understand how it's super, I mean, arguably more important for someone in that position to be even more objective and to be very careful about your claim. But at the end of the day, we have been making this argument, not as a guess, not because we think this or think that, or because we, because of the science, the data, the information and collecting our opinion and selling and telling you when it's opinion, we've been telling you this for a long time now. Right. And so too of a lot of people, but just realize that if we're ahead of some people like that, at least in the acknowledgement of what's happening, just realize that there's a value to be had with supporting outlets like this, whether it's us or many others that are doing the same thing. It's important to support the people that are fighting for you at a time when they're being attacked for doing so. Right. They're not the, the Johnny come lately is that swing in at the end and take all the credit. No, the people that have been fighting for you the whole time at their expense. And I, I shout back to the beginning. The one that always pops in my head is Dr. Jensen, just because he was somebody that came out so early and took a stance knowing he would be attacked for it and lost all his practice, everything, even though he was vindicated. Those are the kind of people you support. The ones that are willing to strike out at a time when it's the most dangerous and they know that there's little benefit to be had because it's the right thing to do. That's important. But it's, these these high-level people, a, a good example of someone has been doing it from the beginning is Dr. Peter McCullough. As he points out, the next part of this discussion, UK academic cardiologist in two-part peer-reviewed exhaustive analysis concludes, we must stop. They're implying all of them. Injections for COVID. Now it says the, uh, the World Council on Health 2022 and, and many other academic groups, including McCullough and, McCullough and uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and others, calling for market removal and full independent safety analyses. Now, there's part one and part two. I'll show you these right here. Here are the studies themselves, and then I'll show you the person. Uh, oh, and well, first, well, just, this is the individual we're talking about, Dr. Asim Malhort, Maholtra. Now, this is somebody who was endorsing this and got the shot live and, you know, the whole point, right? And has now changed his opinion. I mean, that's pretty hard to ignore. Now, first, we'll show you what they say here. Dr. Peter McCullough points these out. A pause and repraisal of global vaccination policies for COVID-19 is long overdue. Not just skipping into the next variant discussion and acting like nothing's wrong, but realizing that the entire premise is broken. Maybe maybe intentionally. And then on part two says current COVID vaccine administration must stop until all the raw data has been subjected to fully independent scrutiny. They will never allow that. Now, you, hopefully you'll read these yourself. I just want to give you the quick breakdown in the regard. There, there are two Long studies. This is posted on Journal of Insulin Resistance. There's what he says. I've spent nine months on this paper, and today it's finally published. This was on the 25th. After rigorous and long peer review process. So you can't pretend like this has not gone through the proper processes. It says it's perhaps the most important work of his career so far, and it has implications for every human being on the planet. Surprised they haven't censored this. It's getting a lot of reach. Now, here's what Claire Keeley just posted, and I'll play this clip for you. There's a couple of clips I'll play just to give you a little encapsulation of what he's saying. There was an interview with uh, the Freeman Reports, which most people are taking from. I'm not sure what this one's from, but let me play this clip for you. This is important. This is the kind of thing you should share with the people that are still acting like 
only conspiracy theorists are saying this isn't working. They might have saw this person on TV and maybe that's the reason they went and got it. He's now singing a different tune. Double jabbed and being one of the first to take the Pfizer vaccine. I have, after several months, critically appraising the data, speaking to eminent scientists in Oxford, Stanford and Harvard, speaking to two investigative medical journalists and being contacted by two Pfizer whistleblowers, reluctantly concluded that this vaccine is not completely safe and has unprecedented harms. Now, by the way, I'm pretty sure one of those whistleblowers was uh, um, Brooke Jackson. Again, again, perfect opportunity, recognize that we were the very first outlet to interview Brooke Jackson, the very first on video and interviewed her twice now. And very important discussion showing you that way, way ahead of the mainstream and even most independent digestion of that story. Proof in the very first interview, undeniable. And now even the court case is proving out in that same regard. Right. So just this is why this kind of outlet is important to support, because we are ahead of the curve in most of these topics. Now, this is an important follow up on that, because he, at the very least, is honest enough to in, to take in what these people are saying and consider it. So good. I, I argue that's we, even if you're wrong or, you know, think that you are misled by people, the fact that he's willing to con- entertain the new information shows you that he's willing to be honest about this. That's a hard thing to do right now to stand up and do this it takes courage and has unprecedented harms, which leads me to conclude that it needs to be suspended until all the raw data has been released for independent analysis. And here's the next one. Team, so we've, we've met today to talk about a paper that you've written, which is published, well, It'll be published by the time this interview goes out. Maybe you could give us a little bit of background about how and why this paper has come about, and then then we can talk about the content of it. So what I've done recently is critically appraise the evidence around the um, COVID vaccine, specifically the mRNA vaccine. Uh, And the reason that I looked into this is that I uh, suffered quite a personal tragedy with the sudden death of my father in July last year. Um, he was a very fit and well man. He was 73 years old. Um, during the whole of lockdown, he was walking 10 to 15,000 steps a day. Um, he was very conscientious of his diet. I had assessed his heart a few years earlier. Uh, and in fact, he actually had improved his lifestyle since then. But his post-mortem findings really shocked me. Um, there were two severe blockages in his coronary arteries, which didn't really make any sense with everything I know, both as a cardiologist, someone who has an expertise in this particular area, but also intimately knowing my dad's lifestyle and his health. Um, not long after that, uh, data started to emerge that suggested there was a possible link between the mRNA vaccine and increased risk of heart attacks from uh, a mechanism of increasing inflammation around the coronary arteries. But on top of that, I, I was then contacted by a whistleblower at a very prestigious um, university in the UK, the cardiologist himself, who explained to me that there was similar research findings in his department and that those researchers had decided to essentially cover that up because they were worried about losing research funding from the pharmaceutical industry. 
by the way, exactly what we saw in Israel, which has already come out. Even the documented video where they discuss not saying things to avoid lawsuits. I mean, guys, again, if you don't see this by now, you're ignoring things and you're just not wanting to see it. This is over. They're just not going to admit it pretty much ever. But it doesn't stop there. I then started looking at data in the UK to see had there been any increase in cardiac arrest. My dad suffered a, a cardiac arrest and a sudden cardiac death at home. Had there been any change in the UK since uh-huh. the vaccine rollout? And again, those findings were very, very clear. Which means that the UK institutions, the government, are ignoring it. They see it. They don't care. It's the only way you can make sense of that. If it, it, because it is that clear. And I've been saying the same thing. I'm just, I'm just Ryan though. This guy's, these guys are expert cardiologists. They see it too. They're pointing it out as well. It has been clear. I'll give a shout out to the expose in this regard because I both the expose and, 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 and T lab were doing a lot of great work on the earlier UK data that was showing that a lot of people were, uh, Alex Bernison was doing the same, right. And then they altered certain things and expose has been a great job keeping up on all that. I have an article from them come out in a minute, but the data has always been very, very clear. So the people in power, are just ignoring it. There's been an extra 14,000 uh, out-of-hospital wow. cardiac arrests in 2021 versus 2020. So post-vaccine roller again. Wow. And then the last one. What I would like to say is you need to understand that the current system is encouraging good people to do bad things. Right. And the root of this problem are big, very powerful corporations that have too much influence on government, on healthcare, on media, and their primary responsibility is to produce profit for their shareholders, not to give you the best treatment. And when you understand that, then we can start doing something to transform the system. Now, now the only problem there, and this is, and it, you know, you can... Cu- can, I could be wrong, as always. I'm not saying I'm right. He's wrong. Just, you know, he's missing part of the story. I just that's I would argue that either he's not saying a larger part of that, or he has yet to see that there's a bigger part to this. I agree with everything he just said. The only problem is that it's the corporations are not just the corporations with their own entities just trying to make money. That is part of it. But these are corporations that are head by people, led by entities tied to the World Economic Forum or other institutions that are driving a larger agenda. In fact, taking actions that actually directly undermine their own profit models, which shows you that that no longer is the primary objective to achieve something larger, like the Great Reset. Right. So, yes, I agree 100 percent with what he's saying. But today we're seeing this coalescing, this coordinated effort of all of it to drive us into something bigger. So it's not just money, right? I think money is just a means to an end for a lot of the people actually in charge of what's happening. That's how we have to see this. But yes, what he said is the first part of that, that there are people that are thinking they're doing the right thing and they're being misled. But it's not just because if it was just companies trying to make profit, this would have been over a long time ago for a lot of different reasons, especially since there's multiple companies involved. How do you even argue that? Are they all working together? Right. There's something larger happening behind this. So just understand that. And I don't say this lightly. Um, This has been well documented that these corporations, unfortunately, in the way that they go about their business by misleading people, by their business model being fraud, they act like psychopaths and they are a psychopathic entity. Ultimately, the conclusion is that we have a psychopathic entity influencing health policy and that needs to stop and it needs to stop now. And what's, of course, to the, to the average person, that's lunacy. 
right? So he's going to be called a conspiracy theorist. He already is. Look online. He's, he has a tinfoil hat. He's bought the narrative. He's MAGA now. He must be a Republican or, you know, whatever, whatever the nonsense is in the two-party illusion. But what's crazy is if that's crazy to them, think about what we're talking about, right? And that's the problem is that the, the first toe in the water of what's really going on is so far above what these people want to understand. That's a choice. Willful ignorance that it just, it's just crazy, right? Oh, they're psychopaths, you lunatic, right? I mean, that's how they look at this. The problem is that that's maybe part of the agenda. Who knows? I don't know. But overall, that's just one toe in the water, guys. But at least we're starting to see it. Now, I'm going to, I reached out and grabbed those Brooke Jackson interviews. I don't know for sure whether it's Brooke that reached out to him. That just would be my, my gut based on how I know that she's involved with these groups and she's doing great work to try to get this information out there. But I'll include these. The, this is the very first interview, December 2nd, 2021, with Brooke Jackson. All the data is near on our server and everything. It's everywhere. It's impossible to ignore that they willfully tried to cover this up because it's on the record, guys. You can see them later trying to cover up. They have meetings that she had access to where they're discussing how to hide things. I mean, you, you, if you care to look, you'll quickly see these people are criminals. Now, this is Ventavia, but it's working with Pfizer. And that's the point. And here's part two. Pfizer reveals concerns with that integrity, vindicating previous claims. And since then, the lawsuit has come to vindicate most of what they're saying on top of all of it. Going to the next part. Here's another example. So now we've got a very prominent doctor involved with the promotion of it in the beginning coming out and saying, well, now I see the risks. Now I'm willing to call it that. And now he's a conspiracy theorist and anti-vaxxer, apparently, because he challenges something that he, even though he got injected, that's the stupid part about it. But it's not just from him. It's not just individual groups. There's scientists all around the world. And every group that gets together that declares these are dangerous, they're all labeled a mass conspiracy theory group, like America's doctors or frontline doctors or all of them, right? Here's another example of somebody else calling this out. And Dr. Peter McCullough points this out. Dr. Scott Youngblood finished his San Diego presentation with safety, and he used the words off the charts and a consistent pattern around the world. I mean, you just can't miss this stuff. Compelling argument to drop them as a public health measure. I argue, hopefully, hopefully people can realize these things are dangerous from the very beginning for everybody. The vaccine is supposed to be safe and effective. On the safety side, there is a mountain of concerning safety data on these vaccines. Every reporting system across the world, VAERS, the yellow card system in the United Kingdom, the World Health Organization, Vigibase, and others, all report more adverse events with these vaccines in one year than all other vaccines combined in the history of these reporting systems. It isn't just VAERS. It's a pattern. And the data is literally off the charts. Next slide. But the ultimate short uh, scorecard with any pandemic response is all-cause mortality, preventing excess deaths, deaths among those that should not have occurred otherwise. Well, according to the CDC, excess deaths were higher in 2021 after the vaccines than during 2020. This shouldn't happen in a pandemic. By the most important measure, these vaccines have failed as a public health intervention. Next slide. There's no way to misunderstand that. Now, you could argue it's for something else or something else caused it, but you damn well better be able to prove that. And if you haven't, then everything should stop until we figure it out. That's just basic safety logic, but not now. Right. Until we prove we're all dying from this, we keep giving it for your safety. Right. As always, dangerous things for your safety makes perfect sense, doesn't it? The idea that this is supposed to reduce all cause mortality is exactly the opposite of what's happening. And again, with everything we're seeing, it's undeniable. This is be at the very least in part because of the injection. And that's a very kind way to put that. But that's a fact. 
You can't, if they're acknowledging it's causing the things that are in part, part that are included in this discussion, like heart attacks, blood clots, strokes, everything else, you've admitted that it's, that is in part causing that. Maybe it's 1%, maybe it's one, one every billion. It's still part of the problem, but you can't even make that argument, which exposes the reality of the situation. If you can't acknowledge what they've admitted is happening and your conspiracy theorists are pointing it out, well, then there's an obvious manipulation happening. In conclusion, we are not going to be able to vaccinate our way out of this pandemic. With enough time, the risk of infection and disease is higher among the vaccinated. Worse still, vaccinations may potentially poison our natural immunity. The CDC's latest guidance removes any justification for vaccine mandates. So based on all this, as you contemplate extending the state of emergency, please ask the question, have mass, have mass vaccinations with a leaky vaccine actually made the pandemic worse? Thank you. Right. The leaky vaccine argument that you've heard me made a million times. Right. And, and I potentially in a way that they thought that would be used and it blew up in their face. Certain possibility. But there's a lot of people out there saying the same thing. That Just speaking as an expert, guys. Right. You can say he's wrong. Certainly could be wrong. But he's a doctor. He's an expert in this discussion, and he's talking about these things because he's researched them. To just dismiss him out of hand because he doesn't say what you're supposed to say, that's the illusion. The, the idea that objectivity is the problem is amazing to me. Or that objectivity is extremism, because that's how they're framing this. I'm not saying I know for... The only per people saying this is what's happening are the people trying to manipulate you. I'm saying this is possible. And you know that's true. And yet we're being censored for that. Here's Mark Stein from uh, GBN News speaking, uh, uh, speaks to Dr. Rosemond Jones, Claire Craig, and Anthony Hinton about a group of 200 scientists and doctors who have signed a petition asking the government to pause the, the campaign. It is everywhere. Is it so urgent to actually pause on this whole business with vaccinating children? So um, we've been campaigning from the beginning that there should never have been vaccines for children in the first place. Um, children don't need it. And the fact that you know, as time has progressed, the situation has become more and more ridiculous. We've had more data coming through from safety surveys, which have shown the same problems as were reported through the passive reporting surveys. And we've seen excess mortality in the young that hasn't been investigated. And then Omicron came along. And so, you know, we, we have a whole series of, of reasons not to be doing this and have had all along. And yet the government is still recommending it, including in, for the very unethical reason of trying to protect vulnerable people that children live with, even though we know right. that it doesn't stop infections. And even though the one country that's still publishing the infection rates, which is Israel, shows that a higher proportion mm. of children are infected after their second and third doses than after the first dose or in yeah. the unvaccinated. Hmm. There is a kind of insanity in the air, Tony, uh, where I now read across the Western world uh, media reports in which they're trying to normalise myocarditis uh, in in 12-year-olds and 9-year-olds, which, as far as I'm aware, has never really been a thing. And myocarditis isn't a light illness. Why, why do you think, rather than actually looking at the root causes, people are actually trying to say, well, a little bit of myocarditis among primary schoolers isn't anything to be worried about? 
Well, myocarditis in children is extremely rare. And there's a narrative has been sort of developed over the last few months that myocarditis was also a major part of catching COVID in children and adults. Mm. But actually, that wasn't correct. It is much more likely after vaccination. And unfortunately, it gets more likely in the younger people. Mm. So particularly teenagers and uh, people in their 20s, men rather than women. And it's been sort of dismissed as just a little bit of heart inflammation. <laughs> but the problem with myocarditis is that when we're born, we're born with a certain number of heart muscles. We never get any more heart muscles. And myocarditis will cause damage to some of those heart muscles. Some of those heart muscles will die and they will not regenerate. The danger is that you can have then a weak heart, you can have problems with arrhythmias where the heart doesn't beat correctly. And there has been, you know, an increase, hasn't there, in what are called uh, people that died suddenly, um, athletes yeah. that are collapsing unexplained, and much of those cases can be put down to heart arrhythmias. Um, and so that's why really the vaccine ought to be stopped for everyone under 18. Um, Denmark, in fact, I think has stopped the vaccine for everybody below 50. So gradually right. the narrative is starting to change. just really unnerving how obvious this all is and if you, how do you dismiss all of the experts that are coming out like this like we're not in a point anymore where this is just you know the conspiracy theorists in their mother's basement you know however they want to frame this we're so far past that illusion and yet they just dismiss anybody that comes out and says anything other than the narrative as part of the conspiracy theory despite their credentials, despite the proof they bring along, despite all the evidence. I mean, it's just, it's, it's pretty childish. It's a choice to hold on to this. Now here is an interesting example of how I believe, and I think this is not a, a hot take. I think a lot of people have this opinion. And it's, it's beginning more and more proved out, becoming more and more proven, proved out, proven out that ultimately people in higher positions, like I forget which guy that, with that example of the CEO that was caught paying for fake credentials, that there's an awareness building among the elitists that they are, it's in their best interest to avoid vaccination and vaccinated. And what you're going to see here, this is a, 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 jet, a former Jetstar pilot who's speaking on the record that there are people in high levels paying jet airliners and companies to only fit out their jets with unvaccinated people. Now, I can't confirm this is his statement. Take it for what you will. But I find it very telling. And there's a lot of example of this definitely being happening to some degree, as we just talked about with the CEO. Right. But ask yourself why this would make sense. And this overlaps, in my opinion, with the discussion from the, the Red Cross, the blood problem and what that's causing or even the shedding of the spike protein. There's a lot of examples for why this is a problem, whether or not you've been injected, if you're around enough of it. Here's what they were saying. The U.S. Freedom Flyers, Josh Yoda, he's the head president of the U.S. Freedom Flyers. He said they're getting calls now from wealthy businessmen and companies to fly their executives around on business jets with unvaccinated crews. Now, 
they get the luxury of being able to choose because there are still a large amount of crew available in the United States who are not vaccinated because the companies they work for didn't mandate it. And yes. these, these wealthy businessmen are requiring unvaccinated crew on their business. Now, passengers of an airline on an airline ticket don't have that luxury. It's just like, okay. Are you aware of that happening in Australia as well, Alan? No, we don't really have as as big. um... I'm just going to wait a second, guys. Let me know in the chat if you can even still hear me. Letting it come back a little bit. That's what I'm going to try to start doing in the future if and when this happens for no explainable reason. There we go. Now we're back. Uh, just had a little bit of an issue with the with the stream connectivity. Let me continue. Like, okay. Are you, you aware know, of that happening in Australia? In the United States who are not vaccinated because the company, they get the luxury of being able to fly their executives from wealthy businessmen and companies to fly their executives around on business jets with unvaccinated crew. Now, they get the luxury of being able to choose because there are still a lot of that happening in Australia as well, Alan. No, we don't really have as, as big a market for a business and corporate jets here. And uh, yeah, there's not as many elitists in these areas, right? I mean, that's the, the idea the cent the, the centralized billionaire focus in the United States is pretty hard to miss. As I think, I forget the number, but there was something like. I think it was more than 10. I think it was like 20. I don't want to misquote the number, but there was a whole bunch of new billionaires created because of the COVID-19 illusion. Uh, we're, not, we're not at the leading edge of, of getting calls, but the US Freedom Flyers have been going a lot longer than the Aussie Freedom Flyers. And uh, they're, they're a lot more well-connected than we are. But certainly, you know, if there are any businessmen out there that want to fly business jets, that I, myself... Team members on the court case in the Magnificent 24 and a whole bunch of other Virgin, Virgin Australia crew that are on the ground, qualified, type rated, experienced, vaccinated that are available because they. Hmm. So what does that tell you? Right. I mean, it's it's definitely happening to some degree. People are making choices at high levels, you know, sort of like how we see people in high level sports pre COVID going other places in the world to get natural treatments, you know, because cutting things off your body and taking chemicals doesn't really make sense when you really think about it. Right. So there's ideas of holy uh, holistic natural naturopaths out there that are doing things that are healing people. I give the example of somebody like, um, um, I'm blanking all of a sudden it's been a while since I've been watching sports, but, uh, Manning, uh, not Eli, uh, Peyton Manning, basically broke his neck and came back the next year and had the the best year of his career. That just doesn't make sense. That's that's some next level kind of stuff that we're not even aware of that wasn't taking place in this country, right? I mean, and it just simply points out the reality that there's the 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 wealthy tend to go in the direction that they think is, you know, they have the opportunity as they pointed out to take things like, you know, hiring crews that are all unvaccinated because they think that's the safest thing to do. It just speaks to the idea that there is a problem. And I just wanted to quickly overlap this with the idea of the Red Cross discussion, which we just had again, which again, I have my recorded conversation with her on the phone where they admit the reason they stopped doing this was because the antibodies weren't strong enough in, a, in the vaccinated blood. And yet there's nowhere that's stated on their website. In fact, they literally state the opposite. And I have a all the way back machine version showing you how they changed their narrative, hid things from you, altered their story and so on. 
right? It's obvious. All the information coming from the doctors from the Francis Crick Institute or the, Re the, the media discussing it, that it removes the antibodies from your blood. They're all fake news until they cover the story or after they cover the story up. But I wanted to include this so you can watch that discussion. But I thought this was a very sad reality of how this is ex one example of what might be happening. This is a post from somebody that had their child die. This is my son before and after he got a blood transfusion of poisoned blood. Now, that's their take on it. We begged the hospital to let us have, as they put, pure blood. Now, just get away from the terminology there. That's, you know, uh, you could argue that pure blood is a partisan kind of talking point from certain discussions. Either way, asking for blood that wasn't vaccinated. That's a fair thing to ask for with what we understand this is. They refused and gave the blood to him without our consent. He developed the blood clot instantly that stretched from his knee to his heart. He made it two weeks before he died. I mean, it's just a sad. I mean, look at the baby here. This is horrific, guys. This is sad stuff. And this is happening. Now, whether or not it's the injection, you can quibble about. But there's evidence of they. I mean, they just admitted this is happening. Doctors that are promoting this are suddenly going, this is dangerous. We need to see this is happening. Now, I believe very clearly that the blood is part of the problem because of even what they have told us, guys. But just, it's going to be continued to cover it up, and we need to be aware this is happening. Now, here's a really sad part of this. Even though this article goes on to basically say, no, you're a bad person for even asking this. The Washington Post puts out, why would they even put this question out? Ask Damon. Should I get my anti-vax friend's baby vaccinated without telling them? You must realize that even the fact that the question is being asked seems to suggest that it's probably at some level happening, right? Because this is what they have created. They've driven people to think that it's such the right thing that you'll be doing them a favor by secretly doing that. Even arguments about why that should be happening, right? Or removing the age of consent or the, in, the, in, the parental consent. They could do it without asking. All over the place, this has been done. That's why doctors were vaccinating young babies in the beginning and got caught for it, or rather the Bayer's uh, reports were showing that. And they've even admitted to some things. There was, a, there was a whole story about how people were get. there was a doctor who was giving children vaccines or giving people more than they should get because they knew it was the right thing. They wrote an entire article about it. That guy still has a practice. Nobody got arrested because it was, it, that's the undertone, barely, that it's okay because vaccine's good. This is actually what they're asking here. Somebody asked this. The first thing they say is, I think I've reached threshold of intellect where I'm just smart enough to know that I'm not that smart. I have some grifts and some talents, I guess. But with medical science, I trust the PhDs and MDs who spent thousands of hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn about it. No, they haven't. They've spent thousands of dollars to absorb what they're told to think. Just because they went through school doesn't mean they know what is happening with the vaccine. You see my point? How These PhDs and MDs or might not necessarily be virologists or epidemiologists or experts on vaccine technology. There's we we tend to you know it, uh, in an obtuse way think that if you're a doctor you just know all medical science stuff right. That's the illusion. Most doctors are only, are focused on their field, and that's the point that many like for instance the expert on specifically um, the science around uh, PPE. That guy gave an entire presentation. He's an expert in this regard. And he points out that most doctors have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to the efficacy of masks and different things. They all just wax intellectual about it because they think they can. The point is, with medical science, I trust them. Well, you're already stupid then. If you just blindly trust what you're told, they could be wrong. They could be lying. They could be paid. They could be graduated at the bottom of their class. I mean, there's a thousand reasons why you should just blindly trust anybody for that matter. Especially since this whole experience has made that clear. But why would you start out by saying, I trust the experts? 
before getting into, no, don't do that dangerous, illegal thing, <laughs> right? Because the first thing you're saying is, you know, trust what they say. And if it's the right thing to do, then it's the right thing to do. But it says, and those livelihoods are predicated on the retention and application of that knowledge. Know how much more about or know much more about it than I'd ever know. That's not true. And I'm not just talking about some faceless wall of anonymous white-coated professionals, but family and good friends. Oh, because he's got doctors he knows. Therefore, you should trust them. I know plenty. I actually know many doctors, and I know some of them that aren't very bright. That's a, that's a, I'm not lying about that. The, as I, I, know, I, I know somebody actually who was actually very bright who ended up becoming a physician's assistant. Maybe she's listening out there. I haven't talked to her in a long time. But one of the things she told me was, Ryan, it's amazing. The one thing I saw was I went through school and there, I'm, there's all these people that I see graduating that are not very smart. We have to remember, there's people that graduate at the bottom of their class that barely squeak by with the lowest amount you can get, a D, whatever it is, to just squeak by and get graduate. Does that go on their medical license? No. They're a doctor in a white coat like all the rest. Not all doctors are created equal. Hopefully we can see that by now. But it's interesting that they just go, trust them because. But it says, an ex-girlfriend, medical doctor, trust them. But what he says next, of course, if you believe that your friends are abusing their children, you have a responsibility to report them. This comes after him basically saying, you're a bad person. Don't do that. Right? Just to be clear, that is what he's saying. But what's interesting is in there, you still so, but if they're abusing them, well, are you giving them an out? Haven't you already realized that these people have already convinced themselves that by not doing that, you are abusing them? Sort of like by me saying these things, I'm committing violence. Same kind of game. By not doing what you've decided is the best thing for them, they're hurting them. We've already seen this argument. So right there gives them an opening. I was tempted to suggest that you attempt to sway them into getting vaccinated, but if an active plant pandemic has killed, that it killed millions of people, so I guess we're supposed to assume by now, even though it's not true, plus all of the social restrictions of being unvaccinated, which I don't know why that's a good thing, you're removing people's free, you're taking rights away from people, hasn't convinced them yet. If that hasn't convinced them, I'm not sure what else could. Maybe an ultimatum where you tell them if you don't feel safe around them anymore, you'd risk ending a relationship. Sure, but I'd rather lose friends than commit a crime and lose my freedom. So, so essentially, don't do that. It's too extreme, but you're coming from the right place. You see the point? Like, this is crazy. But that's, that's the point. That's out there, guys. That's happening. This is the end result of stuff like that if it is happening. Now, Jordan Satchdale points out, the tide is slowly turning on, on the mRNA. I argue just on everything. This is also how the breakthrough narrative started in the legacy media. From rare to everywhere. Now, I haven't even talked about this. I saw this a couple days back. Did a famous doctor's COVID shot make his cancer worse? Probably. Can it? Of course it can. That's the fact. Did it? Well, you have to decide for yourself. But yes, it can. It's 100% clearly proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because of causality, because of the peer-reviewed science, because of everything. There's been multiple angles that have proven through science that, that this is being caused by that. But to what degree? That's the discussion. But they're still barely admitting this. But it is happening. Viva Frey points out, safe and effective, which is what they keep screaming. Except for that compelling evidence that the spike protein generated from the jab crosses the blood-brain barrier and may cause inflammation or blood clots in the brain. But, you know, other than that, safe and effective. And yet, that's the, it's the reality, by the way. You can read, here's the link. You can check it for yourself. Compelling evidence has been published to indicate the spike protein, which is derived from SARS-CoV-2 and generated from the vaccines currently being employed, is not only able to cross the blood-brain barrier, but may cause inflammation or blood clots in the brain. 
Consequently, should vaccine-induced expression of spike proteins not be limited in the site of the injection? Right? No, no, fake news. Run quickly. Stop reading. We don't want to think about the obvious overlap that we're causing something to be developed that we know is cytotoxic. As much as they try to pretend and wax intellectual about how it's something different, it's not the same thing. It is the same thing. Yes, they are different in small, minute ways, but the bottom line is it wouldn't be effective if it was that different. It is enough the same to cause the same problems. And that's been proven. That's not my opinion. This is dangerous, and we're all starting to see that. Anyway, it's exactly what he says. So it's safe and effective other than the fact that it's clearly not safe and it's not effective, but whatever. And here's the interesting part about this. Now, I was mad that I, I lost a tweet in here somewhere today and I couldn't find it again. <clears throat> so I forget who sent this to me. I'm sorry for the, if you're watching and you see that. Somebody sent me this and I appreciated it. I just I, I, I always try to shout the tweets out. But the point was they shared the tweet saying before and after or how it's, I forget how it started. But the point is here, there's a bunch of sites that were, were set up in or Ontario to inform it's the Children's Health Coalition, apparently, which is still in existence today and still pushing things forward. Yet, weirdly enough, these two sites that were set up on informing you about the risks and the benefits are suddenly shutting down. Did it, is everything over? No, not according to them. Well, apparently, as of right now, the site is no, will no longer be maintained. Information and frequently asked questions about COVID can be found here. Well, why? Here's the, what it was before. Let's roll up our sleeves. Vaccines are available for kids turning five. Helping our children get vaccinated is the most important thing we can do right now. Right. This this the whole point of this is, is safe and effective. Right. The point of the tweet was to say that they're slowly, seemingly erasing all the arguments about safe and effective. At least right now in Ontario, I think that was. Oh, and the, yeah, the, the about page where they say, and this is before it was removed. The purpose of this page of the vaccine table is to provide strategic advice and recommendations to government regarding vaccine strategy in the context of the COVID nineteen global pandemic to inform planning process and readiness with a focus on children. Is none of that important anymore? Is it no longer necessary to do that? Like, what's the, why would these things be? It's not just this one either. It's no longer there. It's now no longer useful. Here's the other one. The parents' homework campaign has ended. They're arguing that, oh, it's just, it's over. We ended the campaign. Well, what a weird disjointed moment to just suddenly pull the plug. It will no longer be maintained. Here's what it said before. Parents, have you done your homework? Here's why I think they're moving this kind of stuff. How can anyone be sure a vaccine developed so quickly is safe? Their answer, work on coronavirus vaccines has been ongoing for more than 10 years. That's such an illusion. They've been working on the, the technology around the platform and a, on, a, on a broad coronavirus inject, uh, focus. But whether they're safe does not get worked out in that. That's the point is they skipped the safety work. And by the way, they failed for 20 years straight and suddenly four companies succeeded exactly at the same time. The safety data does not translate. That's exactly the point for the new injection as well. Here's the next point. What about reports of vaccine side effects like myocarditis, right? <laughs> That's clearly what they don't want you talking about, even though it's the most obvious. As it says, myocarditis are, it's, and pericarditis are rare, extremely rare in relation to COVID vaccine. No, not even remotely. One in 3,000 is hardly rare, and it's very dangerous. Can the COVID vaccine affect puberty, fertility, and children in everybody? Yes. Their own data has proven that. There's no evidence, they say, to prove that. They're lying to you, period. They don't care or they don't know. Now it's deleted. In the About Us page, this page was created by the Children's Health Coalition, both of their sites being shut down, even though they're still working. You can still see today, this, that company is still out there working in COVID-19 stuff. So why were these two sites shut down? The goal was providing families with trusted information about the vaccines. 
there's stuff being covered up right now, guys. That's what I think is happening. Thank you for who shared this with me. I do agree with this. They're quietly shutting these things down at a time when they're the ones arguing. It's never been more important to maintain information about this. It's very weird. Here is Meryl Nass. And it's a video from Odyssey uh, and, and for Children's Health Defense. Official CDC data reports negative COVID efficacy after eight months. You know this. You've been watching the show. But it's good to see the data and the graphs and their own information proving that. Which it already had, by the way. Just It's undeniable. And it's good to see high-level doctors pointing this stuff out. Looks like we're going to have quite a long show today. Here are the slides from her. Now, I'm going to try to go through these reasonably quickly. Watch the video, please. I'm just going to be skimming this. But this is in regard to the new COVID vaccines or injections, rather, and what you should know. Have COVID shots and policies saved lives? Newsweek, life expectancy in the U.S. has dropped sharply in the last two years. Oh, weird. Just like everywhere else in the world with high vaccination rates, to the point that now the average Cuban will live nearly three years more than the average American. That's interesting. The latest numbers released by the CDC show that in 2021, U.S. life expectancy at birth is now 76.1 years, dropped by nearly a full year from the 2020 figure. Life expectancy for men is now 32, excuse me, 73.2, and for women, 79.9, which, interestingly enough, I think the average age of death for a COVID problem suffering with that's even what's happening is like 86 right so weirdly if you get sick from covid your life expectancy is longer than an average life that works out interestingly well there and under new scientists it says there are thousands more uk deaths than usual we don't know why well we know why it's weird that they don't understand the problem fit and healthy kiwis dying unexpectedly from a mysterious adult condition how embarrassing New evidence rise new no evidence the rise in deaths due to unknown causes in canada is linked to the vaccines other ill-defined and unknown causes was the leading cause of death in Alberta, right? Unknown deaths. It's just so willfully ignorant. Deaths registered weekly in England and Wales, 18.6 above the five-year average. Almost 2,000 excess deaths. 551 alone mentioned the novel coronavirus, accounting for only 5% of all the deaths. If it's not COVID, what is it then? We don't know. We're baffled. <laughs> When the UK government and even the fact checkers admit we have a problem, we know we have a problem. Since the doctors and the CDC and the FDA and the NIH are all not explaining the cause of these increased deaths around the world, perfectly correlated with the vaccines, the media have given the most fanciful writers an opportunity to weigh in. And this is the joke about showing all the things we've already shown you. It must be, uh, just you know, try to pick one out of the physical activity or eating in the you know, cold drinks, hot drinks, hot weather, cold weather, anything they could write about must be causing heart attacks and strokes. Lonely older women getting strokes. It's crazy. She says, let me emphasize this. There is a 19% increase in overall deaths compared to the five-year average, almost 20%. Many are in young people. Only 5% of all the deaths mention COVID. Only a willfully ignorant person does not ask the obvious question. Fast facts. Did you know that the FDA holds public meetings to discuss vaccines before issuing authorizations or approval? You see, approval doesn't exist anymore, apparently, unless they're incorrectly calling it approval. Well, guess what? They hold these meetings, except this time or a couple times before. FDA authorizes updated COVID booster shots targeting Omicron subvariants. You see, that's accurate, subvariants. The agency cleared two options aimed at subvariants that are now dominant, hoping to curtail fall winter. But it says New York Times wrote a long article about the booster rollout, but entirely omitted the fact that no advisory committee was being held. Yeah, that's right. They don't care to do the things they're always obligated to do. Now, isn't that strange? Why? Again, unsafe things for your safety apparently works. 
CDC endorses COVID boosters. It says there were several questions during the meeting about why the FDA had not convened a meeting of its vaccines and related biological products advisory committee regarding these specific bivalent injections. You know why? Because people like Steve Kirsch get up there and make obviously provable statements about how dangerous it is. They don't want that happening again. It's obvious, I think. Did the vaccines work before Omicron? Well, not exactly. I, I argue blatantly no. They've always been more dangerous than anything else they even claimed was happening. And don't forget, they've never even proven the correlative response. They don't know if what's happening is actually efficacy. Because you know why, guys? They're using a genetic code from a computer that was never proven to be anything other than a genetic code from a computer that China handed them. I mean, that's an easily easy, low-hanging fruit right there for those that want to claim this is all a big game from China, that China created. Certainly possible, seeing as how that's how that went. But it says the vaccine military contractor uh, points out that 80% of the vaccinated is the problem. And this is in regard, this is in regard to the issues, breakthrough cases. 80%. I and mean, you already know this because we've shown you the data. An estimated 73% of COVID cases occurred in fully injected individuals. This has been the case from the beginning. The CDC needs to stop confusing the public, and they're constantly. Po- she's po- I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember how these are from her, her discussion. Uh, if you test positive for COVID, at risk of becoming very sick, contact health professionals. Oh, it's about early treatment, right? But the early treatment is hurry up and come in so we can tell you to go home, right? That's all they want: the test and the record. There is no early treatment, according to them. This post and says, "I need to update this page in regard to the CDC's definition." All right, this is them communicating about how the definition itself acknowledges this isn't a vaccine. So what do they do? Well, they change the definition, right? It says, I know you're busy, so I really appreciate your help. The definition of vaccine we have posted is problematic because people are using it to claim the COVID injection is not a vaccine based on our own definition. Let's hear what, here's what it said. A product that stimulates a person's immune system to produce immunity to a specific disease, protecting the person from that disease. Well, that's not what happens. We know that. that it does not create an immune response right it creates it stimulates a person it doesn't stimulate a person's immune system to produce immunity it stimulates your body to produce spike proteins which then the body's supposed to engage with in a certain way except that's not the same thing by definition that's not what's happening but it says or rather they change it to what we already know they alter that to include that argument so that's that's just straight dishonest uh let's see i'll skip that one it says the yeah, I think just needs your time. You guys, please read through this. Or rather, read it, but watch her presentation. The main point was simply that we know, we know that this is creating a situation where people's bodies are hurting themselves. Or as the tweet says, the negative efficacy, right? Or where was it? Right uh, here. Reports negative efficacy after eight months. And well before eight months, by the way, even the Pfizer and Omicron discussion showed after three months, that it was 75% negative efficacy. It's obvious. And it's across the board, all age groups. They're hurting people, guys. I think that was the, yeah. It's a lot more in here. She's doing great work. Now, all of that being said, we're at a point now where they are still, and this is the, I mean, I said, well, word, I just can't think of something that's scathing enough. The counterintuitive is what it is argument of how this that you should be forced to do this at a time when we're not in danger. They're admitting it's not as dangerous where they're admitting all sorts of side effects. They're admitting that it barely is even effective if we even know if it's causing efficacy. And yet they're still colleges going, you have to do this. Not even the past ones, but the new one. 
the new one that's not even safety tested, that we're skipping past everything. I mean, this is unreal. This is just virtue signaling at its core. The the These administrations deciding that this is right because they have decided that. That's it. This fall semester, all eligible Tufts community members are required to receive a bivalent booster by December 2nd. This, I mean, this is like, if anybody is hurt by this, but they, they know they have indemnity at this point. So it doesn't matter. Required to receive the new injection that is not even safety tested. Still happening. Ian Miles Chong uh, caught this. Laura M. Cheeps, however you say her last name. Vanderbilt Assistant Dean of Admissions. Here's what she said before she deleted it. F that person who emailed this morning to say they couldn't go to school here due to the vaccine mandate. Absolutely go F yourself. Right, that's how they think about it, right? They don't care. You're a bad person for even suggesting that this isn't the right thing. These people have lost their minds. Now, here is Justin Trudeau saying, still to this day, that, well, we don't need to do anything else if we just get everybody vaccinated. I can't, this is like still saying two, two weeks to flatten the curve. Like, it's just stupid. Every step of the way, um, we make decisions based on what experts, what doctors, what uh, public health authorities uh, recommend us to do. Uh, and the ones you want to listen to, there's a, a, but at this point, there are far more telling you you're wrong that you just disregard, regardless of the credentials, regardless of the evidence they present. So it's not experts. It's only, they're only experts if they say the thing you want to hear. Uh, there is uh, the sense that these border measures uh, were no longer um, effective or no longer justified uh, in uh, the circumstance that we're in right now. Uh, we know uh, that we are seeing a slight uh, uptick in cases in certain places. So uh, we're going to have to be careful and monitor carefully. Uh, but at the same time, to remind Canadians, we stepped up during this pandemic as individuals, as communities, to get vaccinated uh, quicker and to higher levels than just about any other country in the world. And because of that, studies have shown that we avoided hundreds of thousands. Yeah, don't you love that? Studies we paid for claim that our actions helped everyone. <laughs> Isn't that perfect? Right now, I don't think there's any country other than maybe, I mean, I, I, I shouldn't say that, but the, it's clear that Canadians in a mass movement, are aggressively pushing back against Trudeau. And that's what we should see everywhere. That's what I argue we should be doing here. Showing the world that we're not, we don't, we're not represented by Biden or Trump when he's in office or anybody in power. We're not represented by the government. So that's what they're doing. We can all see it, can't we? We can see the Canadians are showing us we don't want Trudeau. He doesn't represent us. So that can become, there's solidarity there between the peoples. That's what we need to be doing too. But he acts like he did the right thing for you because he's selling this to people that aren't even there. I don't believe most Canadians care. They think he's a bad person. They think they did them wrong. They think they've, he's sold out to a higher, to a higher, a different power. But he's sure as hell going to stand up there and act like everyone agrees with him. What else could he do? Dozens of deaths because of the decisions uh, that municipalities, the provinces, the federal governments took during this pandemic that kept people safe. Now, in fact, led to their deaths in many, many ways, which has been proven. That's even one of the biggest arguments Canadians are making is that their own data has proven the lockdowns were catastrophically bad. And they knew that didn't care. That's why I'm going to get into next where the weird, quick changing of their status and their and their mandates right at the same time when most everyone's standing up and saying, we don't want you in power. Isn't that weird how that happens? 
Right now, the best thing each of us can do to prevent a resurgence of COVID-19 as winter approaches is to make sure that you get up to date in your uh, vaccinations with the new formulations coming out that'll keep us even safer. And that'll mean that we won't need to uh, take further steps, uh, hopefully, uh, if everyone gets vaccinated. Right. Why? Because they stopped the transmission? Well, no. They, no, they've admitted that's not the case. Well, so they can't catch it if they have the vaccine? Well, no, they can still catch it. They can still spread it. Oh, that's oh, that's right. That's why there's no logic here. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make any sense. There's no logic to putting these mandates in place, the restrictions, the border, the lockdown, any of it, because it does not matter. These things, the, or rather the clear point is the vaccine has no effect on any of it. In fact, the reality is the vaccinated are far, far more likely to spread and catch. So this is counterintuitive. This challenges the scientific understanding. But it doesn't matter because it's not about the science. It's about controlling you. And the interesting part about this is people, by their collective action, have forced this change. This person points out Trudeau has got to go. It's one of the different hashtags have been going around. After forcing millions of children to get the COVID vax and insisting it was safe and effective, hospitals are now normalizing a side effect they once called rare, myocarditis. We just went over that section, right? Here is what he's now saying. And this is, this is after they, I truly believe their effort has made him shift his stance. Today, we're announcing a change to the science. Don't you love that? Oh, you changed the science, Trudeau? You do? There's no change to the science, and you can even prove that. Nothing has changed. In fact, the only thing that's changed is that the people have made this, they've made this campaign a global awareness. I mean, you can dig into this yourself. There's nothing that's changed. The lockdown science, science, the lockdown information has been clear from the beginning. The ArriveCan app and the fact that there is no stopping this transmission, the vaccine has no bearing on this. That's been the case. You all know this because we've talked about it for a year or more. So what is he claiming changed? Is he only just now realizing that? Are we really going to pretend that's what's happening? He is pushing back. He is falling to political pressure. And good. That's what that's that's the point is you still can make a difference in this. He, this is he's just October 1st. We're going to roll this all back because the science changed. Perfect. Proof of vaccine mass and wildly popular. And the, <laughs> the I didn't even get to that. The wildly popular Ripcan app will no longer be. What an idiot. I mean, really stupid to just. Say that you're gonna write like but writing that makes it the truth. <laughs> Nobody wanted this, guys. I've never seen more pushback in my life. The Rife Can app is the whole point. Please continue to observe the current science until the new science comes into effect. Like they're act this is politics. Until we tell you what the next thing is, do this. I thought I mean it, either the science is settled or it's always evolving. I mean, it's really stupid to pretend it's somewhere in the middle. But here's what he said next. Update, same thing. We're removing the COVID border and travel measures. We'll continue to follow the latest available science and do whatever is necessary to protect your health. And John Book says, translation, I am ending the dictatorship for now as my popularity is nosediving. Once I see the next opportunity to restrict your, the freedoms of the populace, I will take it. Well done, Canadians, on the campaign. You did this. I completely agree. At least had a large effect. And this person says, and just like that, dropping all border vaccine mandates as, a, as of October 1st is no longer white supremacist, racist, misogynistic conspiracy theory. Look at that. What a great point, right? Is somebody, oh, did I get tricked by a fake account? Hold on. I definitely know that this, uh, this no, that's not fake. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. That one is. My, my apologies. I just did that quickly because 
it's well, it's no different to be quite honest, right? <laughs> I mean, thank you for pointing that out, uh, pro, uh, Prozen in the chat. Here is the this is Trudeau's account. That's why it, uh, it's basically the same statement. So I appreciate that. That's funny. <laughs> it's just, just hilarious. The, the bottom line, though, is that this is clearly happening. We're moving the travel border, and it's because of you guys. Like that, it, that is the reality. I hope we can see that. And this is what we need to be doing around the world. But the point being, 30 seconds ago, it was racist, white supremacist, chat conspiracy theorists that were pushing these ideas, right? Anybody that challenges any of this stuff was a bigoted supremacist or whatever he was calling them. And then this suddenly just changes because he says so. And that's how stupid and subjective this stuff is. It can't be white supremacist if he suddenly just does it because you guys push back. And Pierre uh, Polivare, uh, I believe, he's a, a politician in, in Canada. After constant pressure from conservatives and people across Canada, Trudeau liberals finally backed down on the disastrous ArriveCan app. Unscientific vaccine mandates and forced mask wearing. None of the science changes October 1st, but because of you, he has to. Trudeau, I'm glad he can see that. That, I mean, that's the reality. Nothing changed. No science changed. But as they say, Fed and Feds announced Canada's remaining arrived can or COVID border restrictions, mandatory vaccine testing, quarantine will end Friday. I, I guarantee this isn't going away forever. But good for you guys for pushing back. As Andy Grifter points out, six million unvaccinated Canadians somehow managed to survive the pandemic, but the Canadian government cited vaccine-acquired immunity as the reason travel mandates are set to expire. Of course, because we won, right? Mission accomplished. Isn't that always how this goes? We're going to make it. We're going to turn our failure into our success. That's how, of course, they have to. It's politics. But yeah, exactly. What, what about all the people that were supposed to drop dead because they didn't do what they're supposed to? The people that are suffering are the ones that got tricked, guys. And here's the expose. Trudeau drops COVID vaccine mandate because, as always, they cite their definite, the, the cite the material, the source material, the proof, the evidence, the studies that show you what they're talking about. You can read through it for yourself. Not he's he they argue he did this because and I argue it's really because they pushed back, but their argument is this is what is happening now, and they have to hide this. I would argue nine in every ten COVID deaths have been among the triple quadruple vaccinated the past three months. It's easy to prove. I'm sure there's all sorts of narrative constructs around it, but at what point do you begin to realize that this is killing people? Now, one thing I pointed out the other day because somebody shared again that the most recent updated September 23rd, the CDC still is now admitting the vaccination status is simply no longer used to inform source control, which means they're quietly admitting that it doesn't stop transmission, that they can still catch it and spread it, that it's meaningless. So all the people that get four boosters and all everything else, they, they do not need it in the, for the reasons they were sold. Because now I'm talking about the people that did it because they wanted to go to work or because they wanted to go to the bus or take a vacation. The ones that got it because they thought they were going to die, they'll always think that makes sense because they've been taken. But the point here is that this is the people that got swayed into it. Well, that's no longer even the reason you need it now. But on top of that, there was a part about masks that I missed that somebody pointed out. Source control refers to the use of respirators or well-fitting face masks or cloth masks. They're still saying that to cover a person's mouth and nose to prevent the spread of respiratory secretions. The CDC came out and said cloth masks shouldn't be used anymore. And yet they still use, they still state it right there. They don't even know their own narratives anymore. I think they've lost their way, guys, even in regard to how they're trying to sway you. The point is cloth masks are dangerous. 
all of them have their negative effects. Cloth masks, as the science has shown, peer-reviewed and otherwise, increase your risk of infection. Even they were forced to admit this. Even Steve, uh, uh, Steve or... Anyway, Gottlieb and Lena Wen went on both channels the same day or one day later and said, cloth masks don't work. <laughs> and here they are, saying it again. Isn't it, isn't it quite incredible? It says, when SARS-CoV-2 community transmission levels are not high, healthcare facilities could choose to not require masks anymore. All right, cool. So I guess all those people that are over here saying, we're not, we're not alone, we're going to keep masking, are emotionally damaged because they are now no longer trusting anything other than their own adherence to a narrative. Madness. Now, finally, last section on climate change. September 26th from Nature. These scientists traced a new coronavirus lineage to one office using your poop. Yeah, that's what happened through sewage. Researchers are hunting through wastewater for heavily mutated SARS-CoV-2 variants that could be the next Omicron. Oh, so something else that's not very dangerous that we shouldn't worry about? No, that's not what they mean. That's the truth, though. But they're showing you here whether this is even real. I do think it is. But the point what they're showing you, this is medical pre-crime. They are continuing to lay the groundwork as Whitney called out like, like 2020, by the way, light years ahead of the story, that this is how this is going to work. Using, and I, again, whether or not this is even actually real, and I, I don't know. I, I, I would argue it is, but it doesn't even matter, does it? All they have to do, I mean, even if it's real, they could just lie. We think it's going to happen there. <laughs> you need to lock down. The country's going to have an outbreak tomorrow because of our system that we've convinced you is accurate based on AI or whatever they're doing, right? Didn't Steve Schmidt tell you we need to trust AI even if it doesn't look like the right thing because they know better? This is building in every direction. This is going to lead to a situation where they can argue it's coming, therefore action, therefore afterward we took action and that's why it didn't happen. Was it ever even going to happen? We just locked down to control some kind of action, to control information flow? Who knows? This is crazy. It's pre-crime from, from Bill Barr right into medical pre-crime. And they're all from left to right involved in the same discussion. As it says, virologist Dave O'Connor admits that he was getting desperate when he started asking dog owners for poop samples. Right, so that's how this is going, guys. It's not far off from them demanding your own samples to make sure that everyone's healthy. Right, we all see this is where this kind of overreach is going. Now, this leads us into how you're going to be tracked and monitored and controlled for the. And it, it, it's simultaneous, right? If you can see, as Bernie's tweets points out. By the way, I have an outstanding interview with her that I really enjoyed that I'm be putting out tomorrow. That uh, there. And then starting uh, the beginning of next month, I'll be back on the regular schedule pretty much, I think, every Monday coming out with our Rockfin show. But just there's a couple things that happened this month that screwed it all up. But that'll be coming out tomorrow for sure. And she's a really great person, too. I really enjoyed speaking with her. She just really it has an interesting, insightful way of looking at all of this and really connecting some great dots. An account you should be following for sure. But she writes, Global ID, tracked, monitored, and eventually controlled by your digital ID, facial recognition, and central bank digital currencies. All of this is coming together, all rooted in the idea of vaccine passports, keeping yourself safe, right? That's where it's coming from. And that all ties back in with the same idea. Health being a real focal point right now. But it says it's coming and it will be sold into, into you by governments and their paid media as a great evolution. They will say free will is far right extreme concept. Exactly, right? Like the word normal is far right talking points. Seems like exactly where it's going. Here's what she points to. Israeli facial recognition tech is now in use at casinos in the U.S. 
in the United States, raising concerns about how private entities will use powerful surveillance tools. And of course, that omits the real big point about whether the Israeli military, the government, the intelligence agencies are also using that technology. Of course they are. You got to talk about things like Unit 8200 efforts or simply just, or any intelligence entity that is, Unit 8200 is the major, major focal point in regard to this exact kind of thing and using and, and inserting themselves in foreign entities to bring back intelligence. I mean, this is not even a secret. Your U.S. government, by the way, is very aware of this and simply doesn't care. That's alarming, especially when you can find these overlaps in specifically in things like the uh, like Whitney's written about in regard to the medical pre-crime aspect, in regard to like 911 call centers in this country being run by outside Israeli companies. Like this is crazy, alarming stuff. But it's all coming back to the idea of building a control structure that then becomes super national. Right. So who cares if it's the Israeli government dictating what you can do? It's all the governments. They're all in the same team. Right. That's alarming stuff. But it leads in that same direction. And it's all going to begin with this overlap of the digital currency, the digital ID, the passport. It all leads in the same direction. And Bernie Tweets also points out the U.S. Central Bank digital currency that they're all discussing would apparently be not would not be anonymous. Shocker. This is Powell from the, the, the non-governmental Federal Reserve, not Federal Federal Reserve, telling you that's the case. Because that's not that's the opposite of what they want. They need to be able to control you. And that's their argument. It's for safety and control, of course. Of course. It's for your best interest. No, it's about being able to shut you down, control what you're doing, and monitor your actions. For everyone's best interest, they'll always include, but that's the reality of where it's going, which leads us into the final point from Key and Bexty from the Counter Signal. The World Economic Forum just launched Digital Currency Project. What a perfect correlation. Simultaneously, it's almost like they're coordinating to reward climate action. This is exactly what we have been predicting is coming. And, and many have, not just me, but it's obvious to see if you're paying attention. It's going to create a situation where they are going to reward, then penalize, then force this direction. Just like everything else, like the vaccines, or rather the injections. The World Economic Forum made a big move, he writes, in the digital currency space this week with the launch of what they're calling the Crypto Sustainability Coalition, which is quite interesting, seeing as how digital currencies aren't necessarily cryptocurrencies, right? So I feel like that's an interesting choice to call it that. But it says the coalition, that, that, but that depends. It may go in a certain direction. I've seen interesting talks about Ripple, XRP, which is exactly what I always thought. That's the, that's the Fed coin. Maybe that's actually what it's going to become. The coalition includes 30 different groups and institutions merged to investigate how to leverage Web3 tech like cryptocurrencies and blockchain to help the world become carbon neutral. Again, the idea, which I'll play in a minute, the, the removing carbon concept is just, it's counter to logic, guys. It doesn't make sense, especially with the someone like Kerry stupidly acting like we need to get all of the carbon out of the air, which would kill everybody. Then I don't think they even know what's going on. But quote, an important and unique aspect of Web3 is that it uses technology to support and reward direct community engagement and action. So now... It's going to become, yeah, we're going to have a new currency, but guess what? You have to do certain, like, it'll start by rewarding people for engaging, and like we said, and then it's going to become a shift into it where people get penalized for not, and so on. And you can see how this would be used to control. Or rather, they just have some catastrophic action, but don't worry, we tallied up everything and we have it all saved in the digital ledger. All you got to do is come in and set up your digital ID and we'll give you all your money back. Look at that. Who wouldn't do that when they lost their money? 
Seems like a good, I just randomly thought of that, but it makes sense. There's probably a lot of ways it could go. The coalition will examine how to add carbon credits, guys. This is a conspiracy theory still, if you talk about this, even though they're openly doing it right now. Go on Twitter and talk about carbon credits. They'll call you a madman. Or discuss it as an absolute necessity in the certain circles, but both existing at the same time. Makes sense, right? Partners include Accenture, we've already talked about, the Crypto Council for Innovation, Rainforest Partnership and Sustainable Bitcoin Standards, Zero Labs, and others. The World Economic Forum has been scrutinized for promoting the COVID-19 pandemic to achieve the Great Reset, where global economies use private and public organizations to fight climate change. It's much more complicated than that, but that's a interesting, you know, that, that's part of it. During this year's forum, the World Economic Forum speaker and Norwegian finance CEO, Kirsten Brothen, said people should expect pain and energy shortages as the world pursues the climate change agenda. Exactly. So they come out and say, these actions and directions will cause problems, pain, and lack of net resources. And then it starts to happen and they go, Putin did it. <laughs> That's how dumb they think you are. And they're wrong. Quote, we need to accept that th- there will be some pain in the process. That's what's happening right now. They're creating these things for, for some arbitrarily decided agreement amongst their own circles. This is the right thing to do if that's even what they actually think. That's the, the I mean, how would you even frame that? The not stated but illusory concept. You know, like, like that's what they want you to think their unstated reason is and it's not. It does get kind of meta like that or behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, it's clear that they told you we would see disruptions in services and resources with the direction that we need to take for everyone's future and safety. And then all these weird things start happening and buildings start getting caught on fire and, 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 and processing plants get blown up. And, you know, all of a sudden food shortage and electricity shortages and water shortages right after they tell you that these things need to happen and that they'll cause exactly that. What do they do? Blame it on Ukraine. I mean, it just, it's just like kindergarten level. She says the pace that we need to end climate change will open up for missteps. It will open up for shortage of energy. It will create inflationary pressures. And maybe we need to start talking about that. The pain is actually worth it. Right. Take it on the chin for freedom, right? My God. So now we are in the reality of the digital currency climate carbon credit situation. This will be used to set you up in a situation where they'll give you benefits if you do it. Then it becomes back of the line detriments if you don't. And then it becomes we have to because the world's going to end tomorrow. That may happen in the process of a week, guys. It's that fast these days. But here's the World Economic Forum. New Crypto Sustainability Coalition to investigate potential of Web3 technologies in specifically fighting climate change. (laughs) That's it. Using blockchain tools, for example, can improve the transparency of the global and carbon credit markets. That's weird, right? Why wouldn't they use it to, I don't know, military purchases, DOD, CIA, FBI, NSA? Nah, because then we'd actually have to be transparent. This is about transparency of how you conduct your life, not the other way around. You silly conspiracy theorist, right? Because that's in the interest of everybody's best, right? It's stopping you from driving your car will save everyone's lives, right? But the military can keep polluting. The governments can still fly their jets. No big deal. Here's an interesting overlap. This is really strange, by the way. Associated Press writes, Civil rights law targets cancer alley discrimination. This actually kind of blew my mind. This is literally talking about civil rights in the context of pollution. 
I, you, you'll see. This is very strange. From yesterday, sprawling industrial complexes lined the drive east along the Mississippi River to the majority black town of Reserve, Louisiana. It's the Denka chemical plant that is under scrutiny from federal officials, right? Because we care about that, but not about what we're doing overseas, what we're doing everywhere else, or places like, I don't know, Flint that still can't have clean drinking water, or half the other country. No, this is about specifically focusing on one example where we can make it about race and make it about civil rights. Less than half a mile from an elementary school, because they care about it in this case, right? We don't care about 5G towers. We don't care about other kinds of pollution. But no, just because we can use it for climate change narratives, it makes synthetic rubber emitting chlorophene listed as a carcinogen in California. You know, you know what else is like glyphosate and all sorts of other things they actively push into your lives. But no, we're going to focus here and a likely one by the Environmental Protection Agency. So the EPA is pointing at this one plant and saying, we think essentially that this is a crime against people of color in this area because they're not taking more action to stop the pollution. Talk about abstract. Like maybe you're maybe even right, but that's where you begin. This is criminalizing pollution, which is very quickly going to be personalized. I promise you that's the agenda. It says the investigation is part of a push by the Biden administration to prioritize environmental enforcement. We just saw Keen Bexty actually report on the green police. That's where this is going. In communities overburdened by pollution. Now, is it the government's fault? Usually it is, but could it also be the people? On Saturday, that push ratcheted up a notch when EPA Administrator Michael Regan announced that the creation of a new office at the EPA focused on environmental justice. Quote, I mean, this is really crazy to argue that it's anybody. The government has allowed the situation to be what it is. We are embedding environmental justice and civil rights into the DNA of the EPA. Interesting choice of words. Embedding the environmental justice and civil rights. I mean, how do you even overlap civil rights with environmental justice? It's very strange. Now, you could, let's say, when you prove the government has polluted a river, that would make sense. But that's not what they're doing here. They're focusing on stat the status of like carbon and pollution in the air and then focusing in on a personalized crime. It says now the EPA is investigating whether Louisiana regulators are discriminating against black people in the area by failing to control air pollution, specifically in these parishes, right? Because the air pollution doesn't drift into the white areas. No, no, no. There's a, there's a wall, apparently, that stops that pollution from drifting other places. Like, this is stupid. Now, I'm not going to argue that there's not very clear racial disparities in areas when it comes to dumping and, and, and all sorts of things. But to argue the air pollution which I promise you is going to be tied back to a climate change metric is somehow focused only on black areas. It just is. This is not even about the people in these areas, guys. In my opinion, this is about criminalizing certain pollutants that may or may not even be the problem. Or I shouldn't even call pollutants, whatever, just carbon or nitrogen, the things they're talking about right now. But it says in parishes packed with refineries and petrochemical plants in a region some call Cancer Alley. Well, you know why I find that so interesting? I've played this clip many times. You know what other area has a unbelievably impossible to ignore serious cancer problem? 
unbelievably obvious, serious cancer problem that doesn't get discussed, that has nothing to do with pollution, but does in fact have to do with the BSL-4 lab that conducts lots of crazy gain-of-function research right around all these people. And no, I'm not talking about Georgia or places over in the Middle East or any places around Russia. That's happening too. I'm talking about right inside the United States. We have over 1,300 documented cancer victims right now, just in a one-mile radius. I'll be quite honest with you, it's changed my life so radically. Sometimes I don't even know who I am. 1,300 people in a one-mile radius. And what's causing so much sickness? It turns out all these victims have one thing in common. They live next to a military base called Fort Detrick. Yeah, that doesn't matter though, right? Because we don't care about that. We can't use that to, to manipulate you into a climate change agenda. No. So why does that one not matter? Right? Why, why, they're only focusing on a racial topic and on a criminalization of, of certain actions they get to dictate are bad for the environment, even as we know they're already lying about things like that. Doesn't that insult you? They don't care about those people? What it says? To do it in this whole agenda, they are using an old tool in a new way. Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. Like, what an obvious choice here. There's a thousand other ways they could have gone about this, but they had to overlap with civil rights. This act forbids anyone who receives federal funds from discriminating based on race or national origin. So they are literally arguing that this area is somehow selectively polluting the air over specifically black areas. It's been used in housing and transportation, but rarely on environmental matters. Yeah, because it doesn't make sense. The Biden administration said that must change. The U.S. Department of Justice last fall opened its first ever environmental Title VI investigation into state and local officials in Alabama over chronic wastewater problems in majority black Louds County. Very selective, isn't it? There's plenty of examples. Flint, Michigan is a predominantly black area, I believe, in the areas we're talking about regard to the water problems. Why don't we look at that problem? Because that's not useful in this context, does it? Because that ties directly back to the governor and the people in charge. Another is looking into illegal dumping in Houston. The EPA initiated its own investigation into Colorado's air, prop, air program, also a first. Activists are taking notice, of course they are, and filing more complaints. Experts say the EPA is addressing them more quickly than the past because this is an agenda. It's being used. I mean, I really think this, this blows my mind. Now, they don't care about these people, guys. They're using their plight to create a situation where they can criminalize whatever they say is causing this. And you know that can be whatever they want it to be. That's where this all goes. Now, on that note, because you know what's going in this direction, here is MIT climate scientist Dr. Richard Lindgren, Lindgren laughing as this tweet frames it, the sheer lunacy of declaring trace CO2 to be a pollutant. What kind of pollutant is it? You get rid of it and you die. Giving the EPA the right to control CO2 by declaring it a pollutant. Yes. Think about that for a moment. Here is a pollutant. Let's say some genius comes up with a method. He's going to get rid of a little bit more than 60% of the CO2. And what will be the wonderful consequence of that? The death of all animals. <laughs> the plants have died. There's no food. Yeah. What kind of pollutant is it? You get rid of it and you die. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> I mean,
I mean, it's just amazing that conversation is being had. Like, the point is, we live in a controlled situation here, guys, where these experts and the talking heads that swirl around and, and love to take all the pats on the head, they're knowingly deceiving you or they're too stupid to look into what's going on. Now, I'm not saying it's all one side or the other. It's usually somewhere in the middle. But that is what they're selling you about how to get fight climate change is a game. It is an illusion. Now, I'm not saying we're not hurting the planet. I've made that very clear. But the idea of focusing on CO2, of carbon, of nitrogen, we are being played. And that's why I argue that focused pollution using civil rights is just a, a perfect overlap to force in their agenda right now using that game. That, that, it, it's illogical. And anybody can see that if they're not looking through a political lens. But here, as Paul Mitchell points out, if they lied about COVID, which they did, masks, which they did, vaccines, which they did, what makes you think they're telling the truth about CO2, nitrogen fertilizers, and green technology? Now, many people will disagree they didn't lie, but I think we're hopefully becoming to the reality that that's absolute at this point. And finally, Bernie's tweets points out net zero. 384 new mines for graphite, lithium, nickel, and cobalt will be required to meet electric vehicle demands by 2035 in Canada based on what they're projecting. But we've already shown you, she has as well, all these videos of what these mines look like. And as, as actually, as we discussed in our interview, which I'll play tomorrow, if they truly cared about fixing these problems, they would have started with the, with the beginning of the supply chain. They wouldn't have little black children digging in dirt to their bones and their fingers, carrying this stuff out in the rain. And you can, this is not my opinion. You can eat, there's, there's interviews in the ground showing you how horrible it is for them. Digging in by hand in these dark tunnels to dig the stuff out that we claim we need for a better future. That's not sustainable. If they cared, if that was, if these are where this stuff is coming from, which it is, wouldn't they start there and make that more sustainable? Well, no, because it's not about sustainability. And we need 384 new of these mines to meet this goal. We are being played, guys. When all machinery will be powered by diesel, coal, and gasoline, as will the charging points. EVs are a net zero con. Now, it doesn't mean that these things can't be made in a way that couldn't be. But right now, it's not about what they're selling you on. Everything in front of you proves that to you. It is really just about whether or not you're willing to listen, willing to open your eyes and look at what's right in front of you. Three and a half hours today, guys. Thank you for staying tuned. Those that did, I'm sure we'll get some clips out soon enough. Thank you all for being here. I love you all, guys. I really, truly am so proud of what we've developed, what we've built. I'm so damn proud about the, the shows we put together and how much information is in here and how... in, in you know, I know a lot of you out there watch a lot of content, and rightly so, and you should. But I pride myself on being, if you had to just watch one thing, that this would be it. That's how I, even though it's long, I feel like so much is encapsulated in here. So thank you for supporting us. I mean, as, as I know many of you know, and that's why you do, it means everything to me. This is everything. And I'm fighting for you, just like you need to fight for everyone else around you. So stand up, guys. Never been more important to stand up. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective. If you do not have a mask, you cannot 
ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right of freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy. 
where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. There's a note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. You just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out. Do not let your voices be silenced.